Good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He is Griffin. We got a friend hanging out this morning. Uh, we try to do this with most of the press box interns. It used to be back in the day when companies were all like together in a building and like you would see each other in the hallway and you get to, I would I would know all these guys and I would be able to apologize daily because they would have to hear my voice so frequently. Chris Lingard Young from the University of Maryland has been interning this semester with PressBox and has had the unfortunate responsibility of having to transcribe all of our interviews and the mumbling, stumbling, bumbling idiot that I am at some times. He has had to work his way through those conversations. Chris, it's good to see you, buddy. Thank you for coming in and hanging out with us today. Of course, Glenn. Thank you for having me. Um, give everybody quickly, your, your your story is you're from Northern Virginia. You are a cursed D.C. sports fan. Uh, yes, so I was born in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Uh, uh, raised a little bit in Stafford, Virginia, but I'm a military kid. Slide up a little bit closer. Oh, yeah, sorry. You could, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, Everybody always gets alarmed when I say right on top of the <laughs> microphone. They're like, well, we feel like we're good. We're right here. Like, no, no, no. I mean, like, you're eating it. Like, <laughs> like you're having it for dinner. No, okay. But, uh, yeah, I lived a few places because military moves. But, uh, yeah, I call Northern Virginia my home. So, unfortunately, I choose to Ugh, root uh, for the awful. sports teams in that my home base. That uh, is commanders, just, Capitals, Nats, just Wizards. It's so funny yeah. that you call yourself a Wizards fan because I didn't think any of those things existed. I, I know. I, like, I've, I, I've met something today. Honestly, yeah, we do seem like mythical creatures. Like, yes. You know, like they actually like we're made of magic, but, you know, we, we do exist. I, I, I can't believe that. I can't believe there's actually a Wizards fan. Did you know that, Griffin? There's actually a Wizards fan Rooting somewhere. for uh, Rui Achimura in these playoffs. Are you, though? Because like, he's, uh, he's the best Wizards in a while. Last night wasn't great, but hey, he's actually had a decent well, playoff. Yes. Hey, look, before the trade deadline, the Lakers were literally just the 2020 Wizards with LeBron and AD. Yeah. So. That's actually not a bad point. They really were. God, that you're was, welcome, Lakers. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not a, a Warriors fan, but I have said before, like I'm someone who enjoys watching the Warriors. That was painful at the end of the game last yeah. night. Like that was to take nothing away from the Lakers, who were deservedly up three one in the series. When you get to the point of the game where you're just like, eh, hell, we'll just throw the ball up and see what happens. Like that was kind of sad. Like they weren't really working their offense in the last couple of minutes of the game. I'm like, I stayed up for this. I set up to just watch a team, one of the great teams of all time, just start chucking, just go into full-on chuck-the-ball mode. I was a bit disappointed by that. And it wasn't the first time it happened in this series either. It happened in game one, too, when it was late. Like, they just – Jordan Poole was like, hey, I think I'll just take a 30-footer. Now, this was at least, you know, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry who were chucking shots. So, like, that's not the worst offense that you could run. But, God, man, like, what, what happened to running, like, plays? What happened to – I have no idea what Draymond Green was doing at the end of the game. I have no clue what the call was in that timeout that Draymond Green was just like, I'm going to throw the ball to the other team. And then the wildest part is they still come away with that tip. And Steph Curry is just like, let's see what happens. They had a timeout left. They could have just called another timeout. These are the greatest players in NBA history, and Steph Curry's just tossing the ball away. You're making me feel better about falling asleep in the fourth quarter. Dude, uh, I mean, uh, I wish I would have fallen asleep the in the fourth the quarter. <laughs> like, it was a great game. I mean, the Lonnie Walker stuff was incredible. It was an awesome game until all of a sudden the Warriors were just like, basketball? What's basketball? Oh, and give credit to the Lakers because they do defend. Like, they, they actually do defend a little bit. I just, you know, I, like any good, you know, red-blooded American, I don't want to see the Lakers win. I don't, 
you, you don't need any more Lakers in your life. So it's more about LeBron. It doesn't. No, no, no. You don't get to give it a pass because of that. That's You're rooting for the Los Angeles I'm Lakers. I'm not rooting for the league. I'm rooting for Rui Hachimura. No, no. And LeBron oh. James. God, God. Uh, anyway, that's enough of that. The Lakers won last night. We got a lot to do on the program today. Coming up in a bit, uh, we're going to chat with Jeremy Fowler. An interesting report yesterday. Will Levis, he says, could have been a Baltimore Raven. He says that had they not gotten to the point where they could get the Lamar Jackson deal done, that it could have led to the Ravens drafting Will Levis. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Also this morning, of course, Patrick Stevens will join us. Our buddy from uh, USA Lacrosse Magazine. We will preview the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. Maryland playing Army. Hopkins taking on Bryant. We will talk about that, what he thought of the seeding. Also, uh, what he thinks about uh, Larry Stewart taking over at Coppin State as well. And this morning, Javier Castellano, of course, won the Kentucky Derby aboard Mage. We'll look forward to catching up with Javier Castellano, the uh, ride, Kentucky Derby winning rider, first-time winner of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, bad news. Remember yesterday we were talking about, after we talked to Ramiro Restrepo, we were talking about that possibility of getting the rematch that we didn't get in the Kentucky Derby between Mage and Forte. But apparently, when you get scratched by the state from a horse race, you're also suspended for two weeks. Oh, no. Now somebody would say, "Well, that's that's okay because the, the two weeks is up at two 9 weeks is the preakness, right? Yeah. Like you got scratched in the morning. You also have to go do a workout afterwards. I don't think you could do a workout in Kentucky and then run a race anywhere, but specifically in Baltimore on the same day. I don't know how that long that is that drive. I mean, they can. Make I don't. It. I mean, they could fly the horse. Like horses have been flown before. It just seems very." Like the the wording was all very cautious yesterday. Everybody that was reporting on it, there was a lot of like, well, it appears to make it seem like it can't happen. That there's no way that Forte could run in the Preakness. But I don't know that anybody's like comfortable saying it definitively because it could. I don't know. Could you run a like? And would the people at the Preakness be okay with that? Would they allow you to enter a horse that isn't certain? could even run in the race and wouldn't be able to be there. Like, literally, you'd have to schedule a 9 a.m. workout for Saturday mor- next Saturday morning in Kentucky. And that, Or would the people in Kentucky be willing to travel to Maryland so you could do the workout? And how intensive is this workout that you have to do? Because if it's intensive, then you're not turning around and running a race later that day. Like, kind of crazy. Kind of yeah. crazy. I don't know what to make of it, but the most people seem to think that it means that will not be uh there there will be no Forte Man. running in the uh, Preakness, which is a bummer. Yes, that is a bummer for the folks here. Now you just hope that Mage makes it and is good. We'll talk more with Javier Castellano a little bit later on this morning. And also this morning Mike Bordick is going to join us as the Orioles are mired in a bit of a funk. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast, I swear, even though every day I'm like, what's going on here today? New rebates and discounts are available more at AJMichaels.com. So, yeah, kind of gross, 
the way the last couple of days have turned for the Baltimore Orioles. And I'm trying not to panic about it. I'm trying not to overreact. But it ain't great. It is it is it's two for twenty nine. Yeah. With runners in scoring position. Yeah. In the last three. Yeah. So. Not ideal. Not ideal. Also means they're due. Sure, I'll hear you on that. And look, every team goes through this. It just so happens to be the Orioles are going through it at a time where maybe we could have expected it because they're facing better teams. Shane McClanahan, we know, is unbelievable, right? But, like, the Rays' bullpen is supposed to be vulnerable. That's what Doug Wechter told us yesterday. Not to the Orioles. And to your point, yes, even when you have runners on second and third and you feel like there's something brewing here, the Orioles are not getting it done. Again, I don't want to overreact because it's a three-game stretch. I just don't want to panic about that. This happens a during three-game a th- stretch against the two best teams in baseball. Correct, and it, yeah. it like this happens to baseball teams throughout the course of the year. But there's there's underlying issues here, right? Like there's the, this is also meeting the totality of the Gunnar Henderson problem. Mm. This is also meeting. Remember, it's funny that Bordick's coming on today because a couple weeks ago Bordick was like, "Dude, I'm worried about how much they're using Adley Rutschman." For as much as we are in love with him as much as he's killing it I'm worried about the fact that he's playing every effing day and while he's not catching every day it's taxing I think some people believe that was why they made the acquisition of Luis Torrens was to give them an option to make sure that when Adley Rutschman has a day off he really gets the day off because he's not going to be used as a pinch hitter but like are you going to use Luis Torrens as your pinch hitter is that something you're going to do in a real situation no, to say the least, not ideal. Although I don't know what is ideal right now because nobody is coming through at the moment. Anthony Santander was, but you know, even he struggled a bit last night. I, a lot of things are sort of, everything's kind of coming under the microscope at the same time. It's disappointing because the thing that you thought was the problem for this team, the pitching, has been great. And Other than Brian Baker, who suddenly just doesn't want to throw strikes. I have no idea what's going on with Brian Baker. He has zero interest in throwing strikes, man. It is infuriating. But he came in through eight straight balls last night, yeah, eight, including. It felt like 10. Yeah. It was, like, it was unbelievable. You couldn't believe. And that was sort of the same thing that happened on Saturday. Now, again, both times he worked his way out of it without much damage. But, like, you got to throw some strikes when you come into the game. And Brian Baker's stuff is good enough that you believe he can. They're also slow footing Dylan Tate and Michael Givens. Like, I, they are not I mean, they are not in a race at all. They're like, yeah, they're both going to pitch again on Wednesday and still not ready. <laughs> like, what? I mean, I guess it worked with Adley last damn year. Time. You know? Okay, but Adley had never played in the major leagues before. These are major league pitchers that they're on rehab assignments that are like a month long. Well, it started. It's like the longest rehab assignment April, I've ever heard. It started like April 28th, right? Like, it was okay, like dog. 10 days. I mean, these are major league, and I get it. Like, what they're kind of doing is making up for spring training. That's what they're really doing is that if these were guys that had gotten hurt once the season had began, then they probably wouldn't be down there that long. It's not like I don't understand what's going on, but, like, yo. Just saying, cherish the Keegan Aikens while he's around. And when he makes the cameo appearance in the ninth inning of a game and gives up a home run. Um, I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. Again, I'm doing my best. I'm just sort of talking through it. I don't want to overreact. This happens during the course of a baseball season. I, As we talked about yesterday, at some point in the coming weeks, they're going to have to start having discussions 
about the guys that are working their way towards the major league level and the guys that are struggling at the major league level. And I'm still going to say the same thing. I'm not saying today. I'm not saying Gunner has to go because I agree that someone with that much talent deserves a little bit more leash. But it's met with the importance of the games, how important these games are, that you feel like you could get to the end of the season and these three games, all of which, I know last night offensively you'd say you had no chance to win, but you're telling me going into it that you hold the Rays to one run over the first, what was it, six innings? Yeah. And you can't win that game. That's not a winnable game. These are winnable games against good teams. And you get to the end of the year and you're sitting there finding yourself three games back. You're going to think back on this stretch of games that were all winnable. And it just didn't happen. So you're going to have to think it's going to require you to think about this stretch of games. It's going to require you to think about whether or not at some point you have to push a button. You hope that tonight the bats all break out. That everybody's good. It was just a stretch three games where everybody went quiet and all of a sudden all's good again. You hope that's the case. And I don't know that that's how baseball works sometimes. Sometimes you just have a couple of days where the bats aren't batting. But I don't know. And at some point if it continues, they're going to have to think about Jordan Westberg. They're going to have to think about Colton Kowser. And I don't have the answers for what that means for everybody else. I can't tell you what you do if you bring up Colton Kowser. Presumably, he's your center fielder, but, you know, I, did you see the catch Cedric Mullins made in Kansas City last week? You really want to give that up? I mean, I get it. He also badly misplayed the ball on Thursday afternoon. I have no idea. I mean, the Ranger was still there, but then he got there, and he was like, here's my glove, here's the ball. Now you're going to be on third base because I don't feel like catching it. That was weird. That was a weird bit. I, I don't know. I, I keep coming back to that. I don't have the answers. But I do know that it's going to require the conversation to continue as long as, not only as long as the bats struggle, but as long as those dudes are producing at AAA and are showing that they may be ready, a la what we were clamoring about it at, about Adley Rutschman last year. It's just, as we've discussed, not as simple because it's not like replacing Robinson Chirinos with Adley Rutschman. Now you're talking about replacing the guy that was the number one prospect in all of baseball with Jordan Westberg or an all-star caliber player from the past and Cedric Mullins with Colton Kowser. And I get it, Cedric Mullins would stay in the line if he just moved to left field or whatever he moved to, and then Austin Hayes would be replaced. Or Anthony Santander would become a full-time DH or whatever it is that you would be doing. And those are difficult conversations to have. Or you're looking to trade one of those guys or something like that. It's very complicated, extraordinarily complicated. PressBoxOnline.com slash offers is where to turn for all the best incentives and offers for sports betting. Like right now, you can get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet from DraftKings. But you got to go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to claim that incentive. Let's switch gears this morning. An interesting uh, revelation this week that came down from our friend Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL insider, about what could have happened during the NFL draft, Jeremy is back with us here on GCR. Jeremy, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you, man. Thank you so much, as always, for taking the time for us. 
Uh, hey, anytime. Hey, Jeremy, this is um, it's very intriguing because we talked a lot um, leading up to the draft about what the Ravens do if they don't know that Lamar Jackson's sticking around. It it sounds like they very much were exploring contingency plans, and Will Levis was absolutely on the table. Yeah, so you know, I I think that it, it's just my understanding that like, hey, if, if if Ravens did not get a deal done with Lamar um, before the draft, and they get to twenty two overall, um, and you know, Levis was obviously still there, they they would have been at least faced with the decision. You know, I, I think that they saw Levis as a, a promising quarterback. And, at, you know, once the draft was over, they would probably lose a little leverage with Lamar. Not that a deal couldn't have gotten done at that point. Um, but they were looking at contingencies throughout the offseason. Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett. Um, they looked at draft quarterbacks pretty heavily. Uh, maybe not the top, top guys like Bryce Young, but I think Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, uh, Hendon Hooker, players like that that they were looking at. And, you know, so you got to explore all options. And so yeah, it's my understanding that it would have at least been considered. I, I don't know that they would have done it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was something that uh, would have been probably discussed. Did Was any of that, like, that they wanted to make sure, again, you say make sure, they weren't really pub- putting it out there publicly. Were they were they using that more as fuel to try to get Lamar back to the table? Like, hey, man, we love you, but if you don't sign, we have, we have no choice. We have to look at other quarterbacks. We have to start thinking about what we do next. Yeah, probably both, to be honest, because, even if you draft a quarterback in the first round, you're not paying him obscene money at number 22 overall. You know, the sliding scale of rookie contracts isn't much. You could still just do a deal with Lamar as well. Um, and, you know, from the team standpoint, it would probably help your leverage because, like, hey, we got the first round or we can play, so take our deal or leave it. You know, I, I just think some of those things were going on. I mean, you saw the deal happen hours before the draft. That's right. no coincidence no, I, I, at all. No, so, I, I believe I, that, I don't know yeah. if they gave – yeah, I don't know if they gave Lamar a hard out, like, hey, you have to decide by the draft. Um, that I don't know. But, uh, you know, he, he took the best offer on the table at that point. It would sort of seem crazy, though, if that were the case, like that if he came back the next day and said, hey, I want to be here, that the Ravens would be like, well, we wanted you yesterday, but we don't want you today. However, it would create a bit of a problem <laughs> like to have two quarterbacks on the roster and have not been able to improve. Jeremy Fowler is with us here on GCR. Um, it, Jeremy, was it Levis just because, and you mentioned Richardson as well, just because these were the guys that were available, like, they, or or were the Ravens particularly? Did you get the sense enamored by Will Levis? I don't know about enamored, but I think, um, I mean, look, a lot of teams had a high grade on Will Levis. You know, he was a largely considered a first round talent. Some maybe high second round, depending on which coach or scout you ask, but. Some teams had him as high as their number two overall quarterback, for sure, and multiple teams. So, uh, you know, he's a talented guy, really tough, work ethic. He would have fit in their system well in Baltimore. Um, they like to throw and throw vertically, and so they, they certainly could have made that work. He's got shades of Joe Flacco to him a little bit with how he's built and how he can throw the deep ball. So uh, it made some sense uh, from a, a planning standpoint. I got the sense that Baltimore would have brought him in for a top 30 visit. I don't know if he actually went there or not. I don't think he expected to fall that far right. to Baltimore 22. So he, the Ravens probably weren't on his radar. you know. But the fact that he slipped, it just became a little bit of a, a free fall. And he would have been a mild surprise being there at 22 when the Ravens were drafting. Now, obviously, they were zeroed in on receiver at that point. Jeremy, I'm wondering around league circles if you've gotten a sense for what what the rest of the league thinks about how the Ravens handled all of this because 
you know, they held their ground. They got Lamar at the price that they wanted, which is still obviously an extraordinary price, but it's not what Lamar wanted. Um, it's not the Deshaun Watson price, obviously. Have you gotten a sense for, like, what the rest of the league thinks of the job that Eric DaCosta and the Ravens did in order to make this happen with Lamar Jackson? Well, the Ravens are heralded as one of the better organizations, you know, uh, from not only how they coach and develop players, but how they handle the front office. From Ozzie Newsom to Eric DaCosta, it's been very successful. So I, I think they played it really well. Um, the, they still were able to give Lamar a contract uh, that ups the market and, and can make the player feel good and they were never going to give him that full guarantee. And so they were smart to wait that out, you know. And uh, once it became clear that it was going to be hard to either execute a trade or they're just – I never sensed a lot of momentum for a team trying to make a major move on Lamar, uh, in part because they, they didn't want to do the work for Baltimore. A lot of teams just thought if they make an offer on an offer right. sheet or if they try to execute a trade, Baltimore's just going to match or just do their own deal with Lamar. Um, but – they, you know, they they probably depends on your perspective. You know that when they gave him the uh, non-exclusive tag of 32 million, you're kind of insulting the player at that point. Uh, I, I think that was a tricky thing to do, but it was also good business. You know, because they figured nobody was going to make an offer for that reason that we just discussed, uh, or teams just didn't value Lamar enough to give up two first-round picks and a 50-plus million-dollar contract per year. So you know, they they backed him into a corner a little bit with that. And that could have created some bad blood that might have resulted in, in the eventual trade request. But that was a smart move by Lamar. Um, look, this was just a classic back and forth, hard edge negotiation that took a couple years, but got the end result that both sides wanted. You know, the Ravens didn't want to do that guarantee, uh, but they still gave him a lot of money and some, and some high guarantees uh, that he could be happy about. But I, I think he did pretty well for himself without an agent. So. All things considered, Baltimore handled this pretty well. I haven't heard a lot of criticisms uh, from other teams that I've talked to. I would think that most of the – I think the other owners would be pretty happy with how the Ravens went about doing their business. Just another minute yeah, or two. Yeah, and they were, smart. they were smart in how they handled it publicly. They never engaged right. in any sort of uh, negativity with Lamar. It was always very positive. Hey, we love Lamar. We want Lamar here, even if it was feeling tenuous at best at times. I- uh, I thought they played that really well. Jamie, I don't know about you. Just another minute or two here with Jamie Fowler. The other thing that impressed me was that, and I, I, I say this all the time, that what teams say publicly, you know, take with a grain of salt. But every time I was trying to dig into private information, there was never any wavering there, too. Like, everything I got was, no, like, we really do want to keep Lamar Jackson around. This is not us just posturing to try to get as, as well, do as well as we can in a trade. Like, this is what we actually want we just don't want to negotiate against ourselves. Like we don't want to keep going back to the table when there isn't a better offer on the table than what we've already put out there. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Now, was there some frustration with uh, the situation Yep. Yep. with the player? I think so. I I don't think that's discounted. I mean, you know, at back-to-back years, he finishes year not able to play. There were some people there that were surprised that he didn't play in the playoffs. Now that's not to say he wasn't completely hurt and couldn't play. I'm not saying that, but there was coming out of the year. There was not the, the vibes were not great. I agree uh, b- between the player and the team. Like that, I do believe that was real. So they had to kind of work through that. I, I just don't always think it was a slam dunk. Like, hey, we're going to give Lamar whatever he wants, and we're going to get this done. Like, it was bumpy there for a little bit. Um, but to the Ravens' credit, you know, they zeroed in. They they kept their resolve. They kept complimenting Lamar publicly. Um, you know, they they got a coordinator. 
in Todd Munkin who can help Lamar evolve. They got the Odell Beckham signing. I really think that um, th- that didn't help seal Lamar's contract. It, it was not mutually exclusive, but it was acknowledging to the player that, hey, we are trying here to to help you develop as a player. Right. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I get the sense Lamar liked having that input or liked feeling valued in that way. Let me follow up on that before I let you go, Jeremy. They did that, and they did something very unravens like right? Like they created future potential dead money on the cap, which is something they don't like to do, and they probably overpaid Odell Beckham. They probably paid a bit of a tax. We know they also at least explored DeAndre Hopkins. These are kind of unravens like things to do. Do you read into that at all about what the Ravens might be moving forward with Todd Munkin? I'm not suggesting they suddenly want to be a team that throws the ball 50 times a game. But, you know, this is a very this is very different, as aggressive as they were drafting another receiver in the first round. It's very different than what we saw them do necessarily over the course of the last couple of years and how they valued the position. Yeah, I would say that the obscene quarterback money league-wide coupled with COVID and the salary cap getting stunted a few years ago or being flat uh, at, I believe, $198 million where it was, was problematic for these teams that now suddenly are forced to put void money years on the table in future yeah. years that they have to deal with down the road. Now, the good news about the salary cap is that it really is malleable. You know, you can shape it to how you need it. You know, if you put $20 million down the road in void money, well, you can chop that up into proration upon proration, you know, and it's just, it's really like a credit card in that way. So um, teams aren't overly worried about that, but that is a slippery slope too. If you have too much money, you got to sort of chop up. Like the Bucks are dealing with that now. Um, not that they were using a bunch of void money, but you know they 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 won big. They went all in on guys like Tom Brady. Yep. Now they have a, a huge salary cap number that they have to sort of manage this year and take the hit. So eventually, you got to take the hit. Uh, it sounds like the Ravens are willing to do that. I think I saw some obscene number of his uh, salary cap. For like it was like seventy four million one of these years, like four, yeah, the fourth, the, the fourth and the fifth years are both seventy four oh, million. Yeah, right. That's it's an a, issue. That's it's a, a major little issue. overwhelming. I mean, they're going to. Ha- I'm imagine they're going to have to draft somebody and move on from Lamar later in that contract. I, I just I don't see how you do it at that point if you're going to re-sign them four years from now. We'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe they can pull it off, but then you would have to you would have that money to account for and a new contract, um, I don't know. Maybe that helps them break it down and keep the, the, the money low in 2026 and seven. but that's going to be hard to do. Well, I guess the other question is how much more can the cap explode between now and then? Like, do you know, if we keep looking at $20 million a year, is that a reasonable number to continue assuming? I don't know how many more Black Friday games the NFL can sell in order to try to continue to add to the cap, but... No, it's a fair question, and also the fact that they, they did a, there's a no-tag clause right at the end of the deal as well, which is interesting, too. Um, okay, if you didn't yeah. read Jeremy's Draft Nuggets for ESPN and ESPN+, Plus, that's where we got this information about Will Levis. Uh, we'll make sure we tweet that out at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Of course, at Jay Fowler, ESPN is how you follow him. Uh, anywhere we're seeing you, anything we can plug for you this week, Jeremy? Uh no, I think we're good. I mean, just, you know, my Twitter handle is jfowlerespn, um, and you can check us on uh, various ESPN platforms. So come check us out, ESPN Plus. Got some good content there coming off the draft. So, yeah, Very good. all good stuff. Jeremy Fowler, always appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN, with us here on GCR. Um, again, not a concern, right? Like, it's 
this is the good news about having this conversation. You can have whatever opinion you want to have about it. It's irrelevant because it didn't happen. I, I do think it's interesting in the context of were the Ravens kind of privately telling Lamar, as much as we thought that like the, the deadline was the draft because they wanted to get into the DeAndre Hopkins market and they had to get Lamar Jackson's number down for the season in order to get into the DeAndre Hopkins market, is the truth that the Ravens had sort of started to use the draft as a bit of a deadline to say, hey, look, man, we love you and we want this done, but if it's not done, we have to protect ourselves. We have to take a quarterback. And Jerry Fowler wouldn't say that it was a deadline, per se, or that they kind of put him, they created an ultimatum for Lamar, but it's totally possible that that occurred during the course of conversations. Like, dude, we want you here, but, like, we have to continue to run a franchise and do what's best for the long-term health of a team. Now, how the city would have reacted if Lamar hadn't been signed and the Ravens drafted a quarterback, I'm not sure. Like, I, you know, we're going to find out in Green Bay how the Jordan Love thing worked out for them. Maybe they found a rock star that even though they had to wait a few years for, they're going to set themselves up for the next couple of years. We can make fun of them for how the Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers thing went, but, like, ultimately they found their next franchise quarterback. Now, they still failed him. They still didn't put the talent around him that they needed to in order to try to be able to capitalize significantly on him. They never bothered to spend a first-round pick on a receiver, which is just, I mean, really one of the most unbelievable things we'll ever. What, whatever your opinion is of Aaron Rodgers, there's no debate that the guy is about is one of the top five most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen in the league. And the fact that that franchise never did that is just amazing. But we'll still see. They might have set themselves up for the next 20 years by, by taking Jordan Lever, whatever you want to call it, 15 years. Maybe they did, and that might have been worth it. But if Lamar Jackson was going to be your quarterback this season, would it have been worth it for the Ravens to have spent their first-round pick on a quarterback? I mean, I think one of the important things that Jeremy Fowler said was that he wasn't sure that Ravens were enamored with Will Levis, and I think even if you're uncertain about Lamar's future, I mean, you do have him under the tag, you do still have control if he is to leave like yeah my my opinion would be if you're not in love with the guy then there's just no you're not just taking a quarterback for the sake of taking a quarterback now at the same time i said this you always you have to have a quarterback like you can't go into a season doing what the falcons are doing and just saying well we'll put some we'll put a good roster together and hope or what the washington commanders are doing I don't even know yeah, how good of a roster. Leave us out of this. I don't know even how good of a roster they put together, but I get the concept. Like they've got some wide receivers. There are pieces there that you like. They're just saying, eh, maybe there's a quarterback here. Maybe. Who knows? Could be. Won't it be fun to find out? We can all do that together. Find out if we have a quarterback or not. What a fun game to play. Imagine. Imagine that. Um, it's interesting, right? Like it's interesting. It's just, you know, it. The, the, we'll never really know. We'll never really know if when push came to shove, if they were still... And and maybe it would have come down to how close they felt they were. Like, maybe the, the signing doesn't happen, but they felt like they made enough progress, and so they're like, okay, we don't have to worry about this. But what if they weren't even close? What if they were still far apart? Push comes to shove. You really taking a quarterback? You really doing that? I mean... 
I feel like you could get one of those developmental guys in the fifth round. I mean, they're like yeah, but that's like middle I mean, rounds. I mean, that's I know all, that's I, not. I know it's not ideal, but like that's other franchises not. have done it. I mean, and if you yeah, and like two of them have ever worked out. That's fair. Like, <laughs> that's the reality of it. When we say these things, that's fair. I mean, I'm not saying it. It's impossible. I mean, it's not impossible. But it's all the time. You got Brock Purdy, exactly. right? Tom Brady. Uh huh. That's it. No, keep going. <laughs> Tell me about all the others. Uh, what Dak Prescott was fourth. He was uh, third round, third round, I think. Okay. Tom Br- or, uh, Tony Romo was uh, undrafted. Right. Kurt uh-huh. Warner. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Right. Like you know, it, happens it, happens. it happens all the time. All the time. Constantly. Every, it's the best way to go about finding exactly. your quarterback. But it, it, it's weird that with Will Levis falling, I wonder if that would have been you know impacted it all too. Like just the fact that he slid so far. Like would the Ravens have had to second guess themselves at that point too? Oh, like to say, well, if everybody else doesn't like him, should we? Yeah. Should we like him? Yeah. Like like the fact that he's even here at twenty two. Well, Going in draft night, like I think we would have said, Will Levis at twenty two was a bargain, yeah. right? Like we yeah. would have said, if Will Levis is sitting there at twenty two, maybe somebody but else will trade gets, up in yeah. order to get there. But once he gets past the Falcons and past the Bucks, and yeah, past you find yourself saying hey, the teams. teams that need quarterbacks aren't taking the guy. What does that say about the guy? I don't know. I think you you tend to whatever our scouting is, we trust our scouting. Right. What we be- that's just the way the teams operate. We believe that we're right about someone, even if I mean once we we would have said the same thing about Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah. In 2018, everybody, including the Ravens, and multiple times, they could have taken him at 16. They didn't. They could have taken him in uh, the pick they traded back to. I don't even remember what number it was. They got it. First at 26. 26, yeah. Did they tra- but did they trade back twice? I can't no, but they, they started at 16. Right. They had the 26. They didn't like either. They didn't like him then. They did like the 26-year-old tight end, though, out of South Carolina. They did love They loved the 26-year-old <laughs> tight end out of South Carolina. That was the guy they had to have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Had to have that guy. But they trusted their scouting. They said, even though everybody else, we believe he's worthy of a first-round pick. And, of course, obviously, it ends up being one of the best decisions they've ever made in franchise history. Mm-hmm. But that's typically the way that teams operate is they say, we're going to trust our scouting and not worry about all these other teams that are choosing to pass on someone. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting, but it's also – I get it. It's also irrelevant because yeah. they got Lamar done, and that's all that matters. It was one of those really interesting nuggets that came up yesterday, like, what if – and then, like, it would have been great for content. It would have been great for all of us. But the truth is, ultimately doesn't matter. It, it does. It's interesting in the context of did it help finish this deal? Did it help? Did they not threaten, but did they say at some point, dude, we want you, but we have to do our business, and we have to protect ourselves as a franchise. And if you're not, if we're not close we're going to have to draft a quarterback. We're not going to have a choice. And did that speed up the process at all? I don't know. I don't know. It'll be eternally, and and admittedly, Jeremy Fowler didn't have that answer for us either. All right. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by, this one will be brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits Check out buyatoyota.com for deals and new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. NCAA lacrosse tournament gets underway. Actually, technically it gets underway on Wednesday because there's a playing game, but it really gets underway this weekend. Maryland and Hopkins made it. We'll talk about it with Patrick Stevens, USA Lacrosse Magazine. That's next. It's Clark Radio. (laughs) 
Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to birdlandsports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline, and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait. Did I say Grinder? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. Chris Lingard Young is our uh, press box intern this semester, and he's hanging out in the studio with us this morning, just trying to see something else that we do here. He was doing a lot of uh, writing, transcribing interviews, and writing them up. What did you give me? Something you you most enjoyed about your semester here with us at press box? I really just. Like uh, hearing from all the people, all the guests, honestly, like uh, just some really interesting information and uh, even some that are a little bit on the funnier side. Like I remember y'all had uh, Ken Francis on Yo. there and that was, that was probably my yeah, favorite. Chris got that assignment. <laughs> that was that was really So good. Chris <laughs> wrote the uh, Ken Francis interview for PressFoxOnline.com <laughs> and it's it's interesting because I didn't really know what we were doing that day because like it was somebody that we knew we should talk to because they were newsworthy, but at the same time, are they newsworthy? There was so much happening here. It was like, I felt like I had to be in- investigative, and then I had to feel like, I, I, it was pointed out to me later that night by someone who said, it, it works in the reporting world, who said, you realize you've got the first comments from anyone related to Lamar Jackson on the record in this entire process. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's weird. 
And then it was weirder too because I was like, but does that count? <laughs> like, like I don't, I don't know what to make of any of it. And so, as trepidatious as it, as it was for us, I can only imagine how it was for trying to write it up, up afterwards. Because like, what, what are we writing about here? Like, what is this? Like I just remember, uh, I used the AI to uh, look over my work again. So I was like, "All right, uh, like, did, did I just read this right? Like, did I hear that? Did I hear this right? I'm I'm uh, rewinding the, the the interview a little bit. Yeah, I'm just like yeah. Like, did you just did you just say what? I, yeah, I, 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 I gotta write it. There was, a, I mean. there was, it was a lot. Funny. There was a lot of that when we were talking to Ken Francis. That was. I guess we'll never have to think about. I don't. I don't know. Like I don't know how this goes now. Maybe well, the drop is sometime this summer, right? The for the product, the official, yeah, the, the official, official, the entire, the entire gym. Yeah. Do we invite Lamar on to talk about the entire gym? It seems like a great product, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Does it? You're, you're in on the entire gym. <laughs> honestly, it sounds like, interesting. It sounds interesting. Like, All if, right. I, like if, I'm a, if I'm like a athlete or even just like a all right man that's always traveling if you know, lamar like, wants to come it. on to promote the entire gym <laughs> we'll let him come on and promote the entire gym that's the way that it'll go moving forward uh today's show also brought to you or not really brought to you as much as a reminder that we are giving away your opportunity to check out all of the area's minor league teams you can go right now to pressboxonline.com slash contest and sign up to win four tickets to all of the local minor league baseball teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. You must be 18 or older in order to enter. The sweepstakes ends June 14th. Get over to PressBoxOnline.com contest right now in order to sign up. I know a man who would uh, specifically pick out uh, bobblehead nights in order to use those tickets for all of these teams. He is our friend Patrick Stevens at Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter. Washington Post and USA Lacrosse Magazine. He is with us again here on GCR. What's going on, sir? How are you? I am well, Glenn. How are you doing? I'm all right. Uh, before we get into the tournament and breaking everything down, uh, we had Larry Stewart on the show yesterday. Just your thoughts on how this all worked out for Coppin. Obviously an emotional hire, someone who cares a lot about the program, but certainly not someone who's capable of making the job any easier. Yeah, you know, having gone over to the the press conference that they had on on Friday, you know, there was a definite sense of, well, you went back to the Fang family, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that they they'd gone away from that for for a couple hires, and, uh, you know, and and I think that at the very least, it, it you know, that is a unity hire more than anything else. That's something that everybody over at Coppin can get behind. Uh, Larry Stewart, somebody who's plenty familiar with the league, not just being one of the great players that played in the MEAC. Uh, but also as somebody that's coached at, at Merrill Eastern Shore and at, and at Morgan State in the last decade and, and Bowie State before that at the D2 level. So, uh, you know, I, I think at the very least, you know, it was one of the, one of the most striking things about the whole thing uh, was during the introductory uh, remarks from the athletic director, he gets up there and says, you know, we need you to buy season tickets. Um, obviously, I'm not going to do that, but uh, they, had, they obviously had some fans there that, that, that were, uh, that are, that are uh, you know, they really need to get involved as best they can. It's, it's, it's been a tough, tough slog in terms of getting people into that building. And, and that would be, you know, if you're sitting there trying to come up with a way to, you know, get people excited, uh, trying to tap back into the, to the glory days with somebody that paid their dues coaching wise uh, is certainly one way to do it. But yeah. as you say, like that's a, that's not an easy job. And, and, and frankly, 
getting hired this late in the cycle, you know, the job was open for what, six or seven weeks or so. Uh, that's, uh, you know, it's going to be a tough year one, I suspect. Uh, just simply trying to stitch together a roster, get staff in place, uh, starting from uh, starting a little further behind than you probably would like. Uh, but certainly uh, at the same time, somebody that seemed very grateful for the opportunity, somebody that seemed very excited for the opportunity, uh, and somebody that I think can generate at least some excitement for people that have followed that program here for, for quite some time. I agree on all accounts. The, of course, the other big news in college basketball this week was Hunter Dickinson choosing Kansas, not Maryland. The What does it do for Kansas exactly? Like, Are they, are they preseason number one now? I, I don't know that they're preseason number one. I mean, listen, Hunter Dickinson's a good player, but what I've said to some other people over the last month or so has been, you know, this is not a guy that's going to win you a national title all by himself. I mean, his team went 38 and 31 the last two years. Right. So, you know, it, it, he, he's going to require help, and obviously Kansas has some. Uh, I, I, I think in general you, you don't count Kansas out from being one of the top 10 to 15 teams in the country at any point. I'm trying to think of the last time um, that Kansas was worse than a four seed, and I want to say that that has not happened uh, since Bill Self took over, and I'm looking this one up pretty quickly, but I don't think they have been worse than a four seed in Bill Self's two decades there. In, in fact, the last time they were worse than a four seed was 2000 when they were an eight seed under Roy Williams. So there's going to be enough in place for them to be fine. He certainly makes them better. Uh, I, I think that that's, you know, if you're, you know, you're looking for, from his perspective, a place to win and probably a place where you can make a fair chunk of change. Uh, and Kansas is certainly uh, going to check both of those boxes for him. You know what jumped out at me after we, the first conversation you and I had about Hunter Dickinson and the conversations that we've had about how you best build a team to win a national championship? I just did. I, I, I did. I did not do a Patrick Stevens deep dive on this, but I did a little bit of a dive. Like Adama Sanogo is the only player taller than six seven to be a top three scorer on any of the last national uh, five national champions. Like the national champions just are not built around true fives having the offense go through them. Like I get Drew Timmy was a significant part of a team that made a national title game a couple years ago. Of course, they got blitzed in that title game. So it's not like it's impossible necessarily, but it seems like the evidence is is saying what we've kind of been talking about. If you want a path to winning a national championship, it's got to go through athletes. It's got to go through guys that can get up and down the floor. Well, what have people said about college basketball for years? It's a guard's game, right? right. Like, I mean, so, you know, you, you know how much I like to poo-poo conventional wisdom, but sometimes it's actually true. Right. And at, at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, you, need, you need to score to win. And the thing is, is that a center isn't bringing the ball up the court. You know, you can figure out ways to keep the ball out of – the, the hands of a Drew Timmy or a Hunter Dickinson or, you know, or, or whatever. E, right. Now I'm trying to think here of the last time we had, how many true bigs have been like the centerpieces of recent national titles? We'd say Anthony Davis yep. for Kentucky in 2012. Absolutely. But in fairness, probably still uh, more yeah. of an athletic big at that point, right? Like still yeah, probably. But, but, but yeah. Yeah. But, but you can, you can find, you can find guys like that. Okafer with Duke was one of the big pieces yep. in 2015 when they won, yep. they, when they won their national title, you know, the Villanova teams, you know, were more, you know, Chris Jenkins doesn't qualify as like a true big or nope. anything like that. Um, you know, so, you know, Carolina always had bigs. Um, but when you think about those Carolina teams, 
that have that won over the years. I mean, I mean sure, Sean May in 05 and Tansboro in 09. Um, but I, I feel like in general, you know, in recent years, like you said, it, it hasn't necessarily been a team with a true center. And frankly, you know, you think about the trends in the game, uh, more towards stretch fours, more towards fives that can that can that can shoot somewhere outside of the paint. Yep. I mean, it makes sense that you wouldn't necessarily have that sort of thing. And also, you know, what what's rewarded in in the NBA draft potential, right? And so if you have an athletic six uh, ten guy. Uh, how long is he staying in college? Correct. Uh, or is he just going to go jump and, and, and try to try to take a shot? Yep. And so all that stuff, I think, kind of conspires together to, to push it more towards a guards game, although the NIL stuff obviously shifted things a little bit back in the other direction this year with all those guys that returned rather than head to the NBA. He is Patrick Stevens. He is with us here on GCR. Let's get into the brackets. Um, it, it felt like everything, based on Michigan winning, it felt like the brackets kind of came into play. There wasn't really a whole lot even to be debated about by the time we got to the selection show on Sunday, correct? Yeah, I, I thought the teams were pretty much set for the committee. Like I, I think that was uh, – yeah, and from talking to Brandon McNeil, the deputy AD at Denver, and also the chair of the five-person committee – um, you know, I think that they they had Denver as the first team out and Penn as the next team out, and then those two teams got bumped over the last couple of days, first by uh, first by Michigan's victory, and, and then Princeton locking up the Ivy League. Uh, you know, the sort of irony that Princeton winning is what yeah. ultimately ended Bill Tierney's coaching career is is, is something else. So, uh, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's really much room to quibble. I mean, Denver really didn't beat anybody notable. They beat one team in the tournament field all season, and that was Utah. You know, Penn went seven and six, and and lost when it had a chance to play play its way in. I mean, if they'd beaten Princeton on Friday in the Ivy semifinals, I think we'd be talking about the Quakers going. Um, maybe might have been going to Maryland, in fact, and, and Army might have gone to Penn State at that point, or you might have seen them head to, to Penn State to play. Uh, and so, you know, I think uh, I think ultimately. The selection certainly isn't as much of a lightning rod as it was last year when we were talking about Duke and Notre Dame sitting at home. Something that you brought up that is interesting to me because I I do wonder, like, for the good of lacrosse, I can certainly make an argument as to why you would want Maryland and Johns Hopkins both funneled towards Annapolis, right? Like, it gives you a better chance of having a huge crowd show up at a a 30,000-seat stadium at Navy. But... I would think that if you're Duke and Virginia, you can't be thrilled about where you were assigned, given the fact that you were the two best teams in the country. Yeah, I think Virginia in particular, because if you're looking around, you know, Virginia has fans too, you know. Yeah. And, you know, they they would have been playing, they would possibly possibly be playing Georgetown. Uh, This kind of gets back to last year. Like, you know, Maryland and Virginia could have played on Long Island, and instead they get shipped out to play in front of 3,000 people in Columbus. And this is, I think, I'm sure, I, you know, from talking to McNeil, the committee chair, he mentioned TV having some say. He mentioned, you know, maybe ticket sales having some say. Um, you know, I think for Duke, you, you can look at this two different ways. Like, if, if Duke has to go play Cornell in Albany, that's kind of a, that's kind of a bad break. Yeah, a little unfair. Um, right. just, just like it would be massively unfair for, for Notre Dame to have to go play Hopkins. And before anybody gets into the whole – you know, Notre Dame, 
hosted a quarterfinal against Maryland two years ago. There's a big difference. Like these quarterfinal sites are predetermined, right? And you're not going to not funnel the host school in there. So it's not like there was some grand conspiracy four years before when they when they awarded those quarterfinal sites. Oh well, we're gonna we're gonna screw over this team uh, by having to make them go play at Notre Dame. Like that's just kind of how it's gonna go, and especially in the pandemic season. But anyway, you know, Notre Dame basically having to you know potentially play a a, a de facto road game against Johns Hopkins in the quarterfinal is really something. Uh, you could also argue back on Duke for a minute that like their natural fan base is is located closer to Albany than Annapolis anyway. Fair, right? Like yeah. I mean, they, they they you know I, I, I you know that's not just simply with basketball. Uh, you know where you have the kind of running joke that New York is their is their true home. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of Long Island guys and what have you on that Duke roster. So you know in some ways in, not that. Long Island is Albany, or but it's not too far away. Uh, in any case, um, yeah, I, I think that I, I was surprised to see Virginia have to travel all the way up there. I was I was not surprised that Duke got sent up there. I kind of thought that the they would kind of split the middle and put Virginia and Maryland uh, in in Annapolis, and then you know Duke and Notre Dame up to the north. And instead, it's Duke and Virginia, which is kind of interesting. You have the top two seeds. Uh, they'll also be a little rested too. You get right. an extra day of rest, you get right. an extra opportunity to scout. So it's not all bad there, uh, but you still have to win the games. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure, you know, Virginia in particular would would rather be playing a little closer to home. You know, the interesting with Duke is it, it might take them less time to get from Duke or from to get from Durham to Albany by flight than it would by bus to go to Annapolis. So. You know, I'm I'm not sure on that front. It's it's the worst thing in the world for them either. Um, as far as Maryland and Hopkins are concerned, the two local teams that did make it, I I don't know what to make of either team going into this tournament. I think they're both capable of winning games. I have no idea how to explain the fact that Maryland just can't match up with Michigan. <laughs> like it is extraordinarily weird to me. Um, I I don't know. I think Army's a tough test for Maryland in the first round. I think Bryant. I, I have no idea what to expect from these teams over the course of the next couple of weekends. Well, you know, what I would tell you and what I've said to other people is like comparing those two teams in particular, I think Maryland has a higher ceiling than Johns Hopkins and it has a lower floor than Johns Hopkins. Okay. And you know, the word a coach would use for that is consistency, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think, you know, I think, you know, generally what you're going to get from Johns Hopkins. And when you look at the two Maryland Hopkins games, like Maryland, Maryland didn't play, um, particularly great uh, the first time around. And I, I thought Hopkins played worse the second time around, but it wasn't – I thought the difference was that Maryland just played better uh, and that that was kind of the, 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 the defining thing about that. So, yeah, I look at the Hopkins-Bryant matchup, and, and I know that Bryant can score. It's a really fun team. Brad Ross, the former Navy offensive coordinator, uh, played at Duke in the 2000s. Uh, has done a great job in his first year since taking over from Mike Pressler. Uh, but, but Hopkins, I think, is just solid. And, and I don't think Hopkins is going to blow Bryant out, but I think Hopkins is going to advance. Uh, as for Maryland, there's a lot of things that could happen in that game. Yeah, uh, Maryland could produce a second dud in a row, which it hasn't done all year. It hasn't won more than three games in a row either. Uh, you know, Army is solid all around. So many guys on that offense that, that you look at. Reese Burrick is, is, is the name that comes to mind immediately. But Paul Johnson, Evan Plunkett, the fabulous uh, midfielder, freshman midfielder, Jacob Warren, lots of guys. And so 
Maryland's defensive midfield in particular, uh, which has been dealing with some injuries of late, uh, and also without Ajax Zapatello, the close defenseman, if he doesn't play, uh, they're going to be tested. And then you start looking at uh, a faceoff guy that wins 60% and Will Coletti, uh, Knox Dent, the senior goalie that, that finally got the chance to play after being behind Wyatt Schupler the last couple of years. Uh, he's been fabulous. Uh, and, and then you look at a, a guy like uh, A.J. Pilot, the, the close defenseman, who's one of the best in the country. Uh, the game he had against Navy was simply fabulous, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. He, he had just an awesome game. Uh, and so they are, they are solid all around. Now, are they going to blow anybody out? Probably not. I mean, they've basically been between 10 and 12 goals. Uh, I think it's eight of the last nine games. So I think we have a decent idea what, what Maryland's going to have to go do. They're going to go have to score 13 goals on one of the best defenses in the country. That's, that's kind of the task in front of them. And, and I don't know that they can do it, uh, but I, I certainly am not going to count that out. What I will count out is the likelihood that this is a team that's going to stitch three really good games together in a row because that's just something they haven't done yeah. all season. Yeah, it's been pretty uh, clear. But the, the good thing for them is that is they're starting a streak right now rather than coming <laughs> off a two, two or three really good games. So, yeah. you know, I, I, think, I think that when you look at them and look at all that they lost from last year and the injuries that they've dealt with, you know, it, would be, it would be an accomplishment worth celebrating simply to make the Final Four. And I know that that's not what Maryland fans want to hear, but you know you don't get to go seventeen and zero or whatever it was every single year. Yeah, that that's just not how it's supposed to work, uh, and it's hard to sustain that. And you know all the things that happened last year, whether it was having a ton of experienced fifth year guys, fourth year guys, and not having a ton of bad injury luck. Well, they've had a bunch of bad injury luck this year too. Yep. Yep. So uh, you know some years some years it works out for you, and some years it doesn't. But I'll tell you what, if you're John Tillman. Uh, if you're given a undefeated generational team and, you, and you're told the price of that is you're going to be an inconsistent four seed the next year, yeah, you'll live. Uh, I think you sign up for that every <laughs> right. single time. Yeah, you'll live. Army, Maryland, Saturday night, 730 in College Park. Of course, uh, Sunday, Bryant and Hopkins at noon at Homewood Field in this first weekend of the tournament. Let's play our game. Can Patrick Stevens name the MLB players that this particular or MLB teams that this particular player had played for? I talk for a living. Patrick, I begin with a pitcher this week, someone who was just an all-star twice, um, which I was a little bit surprised by. He did lead the NL in wins one year. Four teams for John Smiley. You know, I had a feeling that might be who you were going to bring up that? here. Um, and um, I was actually thinking him or another pirate, actually, of his of his era too. Uh, I don't Zane, know if we've done Zane that other Smith? one. Uh, who am I? Uh, no, Doug Drabeck. Oh, Doug Drabeck. You know, I we haven't done Doug Drabeck. I don't think that's a good point. Um, but Pittsburgh and Cincinnati for sure. Those are the, for, those for are the John big ones. Smiley. There was. Those are the first. Those. There was those a are the year, two that knock out most yeah, of them. There was a year between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati in '92. And then he was a trade deadline okay. acquisition in 97 to end his career. Trade deadline in 97. So there's a year in between there, and I'm struggling with that. Um, was, he a, was he a Cub for a minute? Not the Cubs, no. Okay. I thought that might have been where he had resurfaced there. Um, Toronto maybe for him? No, not Toronto. So 92... 
A team that was good. Boston, maybe? Yeah, a team that was coming off a World Series title, in fact, in 92. Oh, that was Minnesota. Minnesota he was on that Minnesota yeah, team in 92. And then, again, another good team in 97 came damn close to winning a World Series that year. That was Cleveland. Cleveland. That was Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland to wrap it up. And then uh, four teams as well for a two-time All-Star, once Silver Slugger winner, and once led all of baseball in home runs, Mark Trumbo. Mark Trumbo will have – that's Arizona and Baltimore for sure, yep. and the Angels. And the Angels, absolutely. So he was a trade deadline acquisition in 15. of Went from Arizona to another team before he signed in Baltimore. Yeah, I don't even remember what that was. Maybe Toronto? Ah, Seattle. Seattle was the spot Seattle. in 2015. Uh, I'm assuming uh, uh, the two games that are local for you this weekend? That is the plan, so uh... – Certainly catch both of those. There's also a local, I, I think, a great game uh, over at Georgetown. Oh on, right, on yeah. Saturday, yeah. They, they play they play Yale in a game that might be, you know, you, you might see 35 goals scored in that game. You did the last time they played in the tournament back in 2019, and this this Yale team plays even less defense than that one did. A lot less defense than that one. Uh, and this Georgetown team has won 12 in a row, so uh, that should be a fun one as well. Won't be able to. The the, commit, the the TV folks did not make it easy yeah, for me there. It would have been great if that could have been the noon game. Right. Would have been able to double dip on Saturday. But can't can't get from Georgetown to College Park from a 5 o'clock to a 7.30. Really difficult in order to pull that off. Almost impossible. And even tough to try to get down to Charlottesville for a noon game and then try to get Thinking back. Thinking about Con- that. Thinking okay. about that. All right, so we'll see if, if that plays itself out. It's only about two hours. It's a little over two hours from Charlottesville to College yeah, Park. It's definitely not probably, impossible. Probably close. Probably closer to two and a half with me driving. So it's, you know, we'll see. It's, it's a possibility. All right. At Discourse, D1S Course on Twitter, of course, is how you follow him. USA Lacrosse Magazine, Washington Post. Patrick, appreciate you, sir. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. All right. Awesome, Glenn. Take care. It's Patrick Stevens with us here on GCR. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. Stan the fan, Luke Jackson, and Ross Grimsley got together last night to dive in on the Orioles' kind of tough weekend and some of the questions that are ahead. If you missed it, find it at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. Click on the Videos tab or go to YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, PressBoxOnline.com slash video. When we come back in, the Kentucky Derby winning rider, Javier Castellano, joins us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The All-America Senior Game, powered by New Balance, will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. The Orioles are off and running out to prove that last season wasn't a fluke and they are one of the best teams in baseball. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, host of the Bat Around for Press Box. Tune in every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon as Zach Goodman and I break down every Adley bomb, every Tony Tater, and every save from the mountain. Like a warm hug from Rutschman, the Bat Around has you covered with all things Orioles as we embark on what's sure to be a magical summer in Birdland. So tune in every Saturday for the best in Orioles coverage right here on the Bat Around. 
Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? We'll get back into the Orioles this hour. Mike Bordick is going to join us from 105.7 The Fan and the Baseball Warehouse. We will get his thoughts on what has been a difficult couple of days for the Birds. They will try to snap back out of it tonight. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez pitches for the Birds this evening in Game 2 of their series against the Rays. Obviously far more important. They just need the bats to come back to life. Zach Eflin goes for the Rays in game two of this three-game set here in Baltimore this week. By the way, hot take, I, I'm not sure how I feel. I know it was a good thing to do the 635 starts, but I've decided it's not good for me because I can't go to the games anyway because I can't. It's just not going to happen. And 630, not a good time for, for watching on TV because I've got to get through dinner with the family and the whole thing and doing the dishes and all. It, just, it does not work for me. So I'm going to go ahead and need them to uh, to just continue to make decisions and operate around my schedule and just go back to 7 o'clock. That's, I'm gonna, I don't know who we talked to about that. Uh, do, we, do we need to write our senator? I mean, Cardin's on his way out, so I don't know if we even write him. Do we call Van Hollen and see what he can do about it? I am not. 630 is not working for me. All right, while we try to track down uh, Javier Castellano, who is a busy man, understandable. He just won the Kentucky Derby. Real quick, uh, I did play trivia last night, so I'm going to pose this one to all of you. One that I'm most proud of, by the way, from last night that I got that not everybody got last night was uh, in in the word in the book Green Eggs and Ham. There is only one word with multiple syllables in the entire book, Green Eggs and Ham by Dr. Seuss. There is one word with multiple syllables. What is that one word? Do not like you, Sam. I am. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's not Sam. I am because it's hyphenated. I want to make that abundantly clear. That's not the word. Is that what you guessed? No, okay. no, 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 no. I knew, like that. That w- they wouldn't let that be the question. That would not be. That would be ridiculous. What else happens in that book? I'm yeah. trying to think back to the storyline here. I would not like it in a tree. I would not. You know, there's a, there's a lot of that stuff, but they're all one syllable words except for one. I mean, I have no idea. I, remember, I mean. It took me a second, right? Like, Wouldn't I was... be... Let's see. I, I don't want it in a, in a sofa. No. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't believe there was a sofa. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't believe that's the Green case. Eggs and ham. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Got it. Anywhere, and it took me literally going through the entire thing in my mind, and I did ultimately come up with it, and it was indeed anywhere is the only multi-syllable word in all of Green Eggs and Ham. The uh, only real sports question last night, can you name the last repeat champions in all of the four major American professional sports? Basketball's the Warriors. Of course. Uh Uh-huh. Patriots. The Patriots are indeed. That, by the way, I struggle with that for a second. I'm like, is it really not been a back-to-back champion since the Patriots? Nope. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa Bay Lightning, most recently in hockey. Back-to-back baseball champions. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Red Sox. Mm -hmm. No, not the Red Sox. Is it the back? I guess it had. To be the Yankees, ninety-eight to two thousand. The, the Yankees are the last wow. one. Yep, one hundred percent. Yeah, I I gotta be honest with you. That was, was I I went through some of the same things that you went yeah. through on that one. Where like ultimately it was easy, but it wasn't just immediate. Like you had to think for a minute. You had to think through it in order to come up with it. But yes, those were the uh, the four correct answers: the Patriots, the Yankees, the uh, Warriors, and the Lightning. The last four or the most recent back-to-back champions in all of the four major American professional sports. Uh, we also, we, we lost, we failed miserably on the final question of the night, which was um, uh, what musical, based on a 1988 film, had the tagline, the musical, the musical, the musical. Now, I can understand 1988 a little bit before you guys, so you guys... Shouldn't be quite as embarrassed about this one as we were when we realized that we got it wrong. We wouldn't have won for the night, but we would have finished in second. Had we gotten it right, we just had no earthly idea what it was. You know, you want to venture. Again, 1988 film turned into a musical, and the tagline for the musical was the musical, the musical, the musical. Any guesses? Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, nah, no, no, nah, nothing there. What about what about over there? What about over there? What was the question? 1988 film turned into a musical. The tagline for the musical: the musical, the musical, the musical. Uh, I don't know. Uh, the sound of music. That's yeah, there. Wow, you guys nailed it. Definitely not a 1988 oh, film. It came out significantly before 88. Top Gun. That was 89. Or 86. Uh, the answer yeah. is Beetlejuice. Because Have they done a musical of Top Gun? They Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Oh. Beetlejuice. The musical. Wow. The, the musical. musical the musical. So we were pretty ashamed that we got that one wrong last night. Nothing for this man to be ashamed of. He is now a Kentucky Derby winner. He was on board Mage on Saturday in Louisville. We're expecting to see him as long as everything continues to trend in the correct direction. We're expecting to see him in uh, two weeks now here in Baltimore. It's a pleasure for us to welcome back to the show a two-time Preakness winner and now a Kentucky Derby winner. Javier Castellano is with us here on GCR. Javier, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Congratulations on winning the Kentucky Derby, my friend. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, can you put this into words, Javi? Like everything you've accomplished in your career, and I bring up, you know, winning the Preakness a couple of times. You have done so many things. But to be able to say forever that you're a Kentucky Derby winner, what did that mean to you on Saturday? Everything. Everything. It's not a word in the 
hard to describe it as a dream come true for any jockey, any trainer, anybody in the horse industry to to get what you want, you know, like the bigger races in the world, basically. Not only in the country, in the world. Um, took me a little while. It's not easy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a gift. Gotta give it to you. It's, sometimes it's meant to be, you know, really appreciate to win the bigger race in the world. And they recognize it when we apply for a license, you know, the jockeys, this is the one thing we want to win. And finally, I get it. You know, it took me a while, like I say, and it's hard to win the race. It's 20 holes in field. You got to be in the right time, the right place, and the right move to win the most prestigious race. Did, did you know, Javier, like, and this was a horse that obviously hadn't run a ton, right? Like, did you... Did you know going into the weekend, I can win the Derby on this horse? Absolutely. Yes, I am. Um, I was so confident myself in the horse. It's a young horse. He started developing himself. He's a kind of type of horse. He only run three times. He finished second in the Florida Derby. It's only a run two times when going against two, one of the best horses. In the, in the country, like Forte, and he finished second behind Forte. Almost he won the Florida there with, with only yep. two-time career. And that's giving me a lot of confidence. I think he can do it. Only three times and almost won the race. I think he has a lot of potential to grow. He can better and better. And that's exactly what he did. Especially the training, Gustavo Delgado, he did such a great job with a horse. Let Letting develop the horse in the right time, in the right place, and be a phenomenal job. And uh, that's why I was a lot of more confident myself. I'm going to come back to Gustavo in a second because this the Venezuelan side of this is really cool. But let me let me stay on the the horse. When during the race, right? Like obviously, two fills was having a good run. When during the race did you have the sense of, oh, this is breaking for us. I'm going to have the path in order for this guy to be able to go finish down the stretch? From the quarterpool. Yeah. Right in the quarterpool. I think it's a row with a lot of confidence. I know the horse is going to break a, kind of, a little slow. That's the kind of type of horse he is. That's his style. Every horse has got different style. And I think I'm trying to adjust me to the horse and try to let him develop the horse and break it okay out of the gate with the field. Let him grow through into the river. And that's exactly what I did, the horse. And I used to go with the flow and try to ride a smart race, save all the ground the best you could in the first turn, and let them develop it. And that's exactly what I did. When I turned for home, I, I knew I had a lot of horse, a lot of potential to win the race. I just enjoyed my ride, basically. And I rode with hmm. so much confidence. I know I can do it. And I know Mage, he can do it. It's a good horse. It's, it's, it's very much a horse you go through with surround the horses, a lot of horses in the field go through, and the way he finished, unbelievable. It's a great feeling. I, I love I love when I hear a rider say, I just enjoyed the ride, right? Like, that's got to be the greatest feeling in all of, of racing is just when you're like, nope. You know, obviously Angel of Empire was coming up strong, but you just knew, like, we, we've got this now. Like, I can, I've done the work. The horse can just go ahead and finish it off for us. I can't imagine what that feeling is like for a rider. Yes. As you can tell, you know, it's, it's battling with how the 
I rode a horse, how did everything he went through, nice and smooth, and a beautiful trip I have, and it's hard to get a good trip when too many horses, and anything can happen in the racing, and the, how, how smooth he went through the horses, it's dream come true for any jockey. And it's really, really cool. Javier Castellano is with us, of course, rode mage to the Kentucky Derby win. Um, Javier, you bring up Gustavo, the, the Venezuelan side of this story and, and what it means to you to have won your derby for a Venezuelan trainer. And I can only imagine what it means to folks back in, in your country. Can you describe that for those of us that clearly can't possibly understand it? It's, it's emotion, you know, it's unbelievable. It's a special moment when you, <clears throat> you have to celebrate with your own people, your own country. I know Gustavo Delgado for many years when I was a little kid. Way back, my father was a jockey. He rode horses with Gustavo Delgado. And I mean, it's, it's a special moment, you know? We went back to all the way to my country when we started together. I was a little kid. I see how he grew up, Gustavo Delgado, like he trained horses. And it's a really special, it means a lot to us, special for our country. And and you can tell uh, and every country had different problems and we went through mm -hmm. and that's a special moment. It's a great celebration for my country and for the sport, for the races, for the jockeys and every single one. The exercise here he rode horses with my dad and it's a very as special unique uh, team effort. It's, it's really cool. And I, I know I was getting to learn. I talked to uh, Ramiro a little bit about that yesterday. And I, I getting to learn that what that team is all about and his kind of football-like way of managing everything is really cool. I enjoyed that a great deal. Um, Javier, obviously, you know a thing or two about winning a Preakness, right? Like you've done it a couple of times. But this is a different scenario than the two that you won. This is a horse that turned around running two weeks later. Did you get a sense you know, for, for this horse and, and can you, do you have any feel for whether or not a horse is capable of turning around and giving another big run two weeks later? Absolutely. I think he can do it. Um, first of all, the horse, uh, we're really lucky. Thank God he come back good. He's happy. And um, of course, Gustavo Delgado, he knows how to train a horse very well. He's going to give you the best and train it to, to bring the horse together to the big, another stage, the second Supercon race. And I think we're all very excited. We, I think we're looking forward to time. I think it's very capable, as you say. It's a young horse to start doing better and better. And it's a lot of potential horse. And young horse, I think we want to see him in the future, you know, and keep your fingers crossed, everything going well, healthy-wise. And we're looking forward to time. Is there any disappointment for you? It looks like they're not going to be able to run Forte in the Preakness. Is there any disappointment to you? Like, do you, as a competitor, do you almost, like, really, are you itching to maybe get that rematch after what happened in the Florida Derby? Well, at some point, you have to challenge. You know, at some point, you have to confront together, and you have to see each other. And I think, I don't know when, I'm kind of disappointed, you know, about Forte because we love horses and we lost competition yeah. hopefully the horse everything work out good for him and, and I, I knew it could be in the preno it could be in the belmont who knows yeah um, most important you know 
I had school for the fans to see this type of horses. They, they compete each other, and hopefully for all the best. And then, you know, just coming to Baltimore, like you've done this a lot over the years, coming to Baltimore as the Derby champion, what what's that part going to mean to you, to finally be able in your career, as you mentioned how much this means, to be able to celebrate and have this moment arriving here in Baltimore with all the attention, with all the excitement. You know how Derby champions are celebrated here. Yeah, it's a special moment. You know, I've, I've been down already two times, and I went to pregnant two times. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's, an, it's a beautiful stage, and we're all looking forward. And I love feeling of Baltimore, the track, and the facility, and the people that run the, the place. And I think, hey, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great spear for every single one for my team for my training on it and we all looking for all one big time uh we're looking forward to having you guys here hopefully everything continues to go well with mage uh javier castellano no matter what you you're a hall of famer obviously a hell of a career but we're happy for you that you got to have the moment and and that celebration of winning a kentucky derby now how special would it be if this run were to continue Look forward to having you here in Baltimore, man. Congratulations again. Thank you so much for spending some time with us this morning. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. It's Javier Castellano, a Kentucky Derby winning rider of Mage. He will be here. in Well, again, we, as Ramiro Restrepo, the owner of the horse, told us yesterday, the plan is to be here. They're just making sure that they use caution and making sure everything's all right. And, of course, Given what's been going on in the world of horse racing the last couple of weeks, I think we can all appreciate that. That they are, look, they've already made travel plans. This is the plan is to run in the Preakness. They just want to continue to make sure that the horse is good and responds well and that they're not doing anything that would risk the horse. And again, in light of how things have gone, I think we all can agree that that is the right thing to do. So appreciate that. And, again, bad news yesterday about uh, Forte is we were all hoping that you would get that rematch in the Preakness and be a lot more excitement about that, but unfortunately appears as though that will not be the case. Orioles have uh, just hit a little bit of a dip these last couple of days. And, again, the surprising part being the offense because it was the pitching that just five days ago we were panicked about coming out of the Royal Series. Well, the pitching's been really good since then. It's the offense that's kind of gone the other way, kind of gone sideways. Let's talk a little bit more about it now. This man, of course, works the baseball warehouse. You hear him about Baltimore baseball tonight, 105.7 The Fan. He is Orioles Hall of Famer, our friend Mike Bordick, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Bordy, what's going on, brother? How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How about yourself? Everything's all right, except for the fact that nobody can get a hit with a runner in scoring position the last couple of days. Other than that, <laughs> all is good. Hey, I well, wonder... Mike, if I, I want to revisit something that you talked about with me the last time you and I talked, which was as good as it was then, you were concerned about how much the Orioles were using Adley Rutschman. Now, yeah. Adley Rutschman's mired in this kind of O for funk. Are, are you worried that what we're seeing is the effect of how much the Orioles were using Adley Rutschman early in the season? Well, I mean, there may be a little bit to that, but I just think all hitters, even the best ones, you know, go through little downtimes. And uh, I also think this, and you mentioned how the Orioles pitching has been really good lately, right? Mm -hmm. But the Orioles hitters haven't been able to get hit. 
the opposing pitchers, every guy they've faced, it seems, this last week is like a Cy Young potential winner. So they're facing the best of the best, and it hasn't gotten any easier. Now that they're facing, you know, Tampa, this guy that they're throwing tonight, nasty as well. So, you know, it's like you said, though, it's just the ability to come up with the big hit uh, right now has kind of eluded the Orioles. But I, I, I think – I think they're fine. I think Adley Rutschman's going to be fine. I think all young hitters kind of have to go through this and and hopefully just stick to the process. You know what I mean? Just continue to get in the batting cage. Do your work that you do every day. You don't have to change anything. It's more of a mental discipline than anything, I think, at that level. So you stick with your, your routine and you uh, make subtle adjustments if you have to. But so much of it is just a mindset. I think Gunnar Henderson right now, it, a lot of his offensive struggles are in his head. Adley Rushman, you never see him chase out of the zone, and last night I see him chase the slider down in the dirt. And I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, he's just trying a little bit too hard right now. So it's nothing to do with the mechanics. I think it's just a, a, a little mental tweaking, a little more confidence, um, believing in himself, and sticking to that process and the routine that, he obviously has done so well with. It sounds like what you're saying is what we know to be true, which is that even good teams go through three days, four days, a week, where for whatever reason it's just not clicking. It doesn't It doesn't mean that they're not a good offensive team. It's just this is the nature of baseball in 162 games is you're going to have a couple of games where it's just not working for you. Absolutely. A- absolutely. Even the best teams go through some down times, you know. So I remember, and I can – I guess only relate to some teams that I've been on in that regard. And in 1997, you know, we were wire to wire, yep. and I, arguably the best team in baseball that year. And I know in the middle of summer, man, we hit a spell where we were like, oh, my gosh, are we going to win again? Is it, you know, is it going to happen? It just seemed like everything. Couldn't get a big hit. Uh, maybe there was a big hit on the opposing team. Uh, maybe we walked a guy in a certain situation or somebody made an error, you know. Uh, it happens even with the best teams. But the great news is, is they've had early success something that they can just rely on and go back to and say, hey, we've already done it. We know we can do it. We know we can compete right now. And, and this stems back to even last year. So I think, I think there's still a great feeling. And it's not like they've been blown out uh, in these three losses. They've been in. They could have just as easily won every one of those close games, maybe with just one more key hit a ball game. You know what I mean? So it's not like they're tanking. Uh, not like they're having clunkers. It's not like they're playing bad baseball. It's just maybe one or two timely hits that would that would put them over the top. And tonight could be the night that they turn everything around and get right back on the winning track. Mike, you brought up Gunner, and it's important to point out that like it, as much as he struggled to get hits, he is you know doing a pretty good job of getting on base. And it, it's not woeful necessarily, as much as it's just you know the batting average is woeful. How long, like, how much rope can you give a a player like that? Because I am not, you know, you're starting to hear people clamor for, hey, maybe he needs to go back down, and I'm not there yet, but I acknowledge, hey, the games matter, and the games are important, and at some point that is a conversation that you have to have. Like, how how deep can you go before you do have to start thinking about what it is that you're going to do with someone who continues to hit below 200? Well, I, I think uh, then you'd have to have a debate about analytics. The imp- most important, I think, analytical number right now, and, and a lot of people attest to this, as much as everybody likes, obviously, slugging is on-base percentage. Yep. And his on-base percentage is 
just as high as anybody's on the team right now. So he continues to have good at bats, draw walks, uh, get on base. And I know just for his own mental wellness, health and wellness, a hit would mean the world. A a five-game hitting streak would would really help him with with his overall confidence. I I know that, and I think we all feel that. I, I think it's still too soon. Um, I'd love for him to continue to work through this and figure it out at the major league level. I think he'd go down to AAA and dominate and then come right back up and be faced with the same kind of challenges. You know what I mean? So, uh, listen, in recent history, uh, most recent I can remember, uh, Nick Markakis, the great Oriole player, yep. if you look back in his history and how he started at the major league level, he was struggling for two months, maybe even longer than two months. And next thing you know, he's one of the greatest hitters to ever freaking wear a, an yep. Oreo uniform. Yep. You know, so they were patient with him. And I think that's it. Uh, you got to keep feeding this kid, you know, confidence, um, the belief that, that he has the ability to do it at this level. Um, you look at him, and I still think that he's going to be a potential MVP guy one day. Um, I thought this year, you know, he just has, he exudes that much confidence. Um, but right now at the plate, there's a little, there's a little bit of negativity going on. I, you can kind of feel that. And, and I just hope that, uh, you know, he can string a few games where he gets a couple of hits together because sometimes that's really all it takes. Mike Bordick is with us here on GCR. Mike, I, by the, and I, I know somebody's going to hear that and point out and say, hey, you know, that Mar- in 06, the Orioles, they weren't good, right? So they could live with Mark Hakes struggling a little bit more. I, I do understand that all of these situations – are exacerbated by the fact that, like, you know, the team's good, right? Like, that the games matter. I I will put my hand up in the air and say a week ago I thought it was time for them to make a move on Dean Kramer, and then sure enough they turned around and got his best start of the season in Atlanta, and I egg on my face, right? right? Like, I feel like kind of an idiot. But I understand that it's more pressing because the games are important. Like, every single one of these games could end up being a game that matters by the time you get to September. No, absolutely. Okay, so what are you going to do? You're going to call up a, a guy from AAA to yeah. fill him in, you know, and then that kid's going to have to go through the same thing. And there are guys in the minor leagues right now that probably deserve to have opportunities at the major league level, but they're going to be going through the same kind of adjustments at the major league level than a hitter like Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar proved himself through the minor leagues. That's why he had an opportunity last year to come up and get a good feel. And I just feel like um, they – they really need to take their time with Gunner and let him develop at the major league level. I think they're giving him spot or, you know, days off now, um, especially against tougher pitchers like that nasty lefty last night. So, you know, they're, they're giving him those kind of breaks, but uh, I think they're going to give, you know, he'll probably be in there tonight. And, and the hope is for, you know, all of us Oriole fans that he gets a couple hits. I, I just think they're so stockpile full of young talent that you can't just all send the guy out, you know, for not, you know, doing it at, at the major league level. I think other guys kind of have to pick up slack. I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think the weight of the world is on these young players yeah. because we're all hoping that all of a sudden now they got to, you know, win. They got to make it to the postseason. So Adley's feel he feels that every day. He yeah. said, we're winning because I, I got called up. And, right. and sure enough, the numbers prove it, you know. And and now everybody talks about what Gunnar Henderson and then Stowers and all the young players, they're, they're feeling that. So some of the veteran guys need to pick up slack and come up with the big hits and let these guys feel a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more at ease. 
Mike, can I ask on the flip side, you know, a year ago when it was Rutschman, it was obvious, right? Like, of course, you're going to trade out Robinson Chirinos for an Adley Rutschman. I, I, there's a couple of guys. It's not, you know, Jordan Westberg's the guy that's brought up because of Gunner's struggles, but I'll bring up Colton Kowser, who's, you know, is he's progressed. He's done everything that you've asked him to do throughout the system. It feels like he's ready to graduate to the major league level, but there's not an obvious answer, right? Like, you don't want to move Cedric Mullins off of center field because his range is extraordinary, even if his arm isn't great. Like, that play he made in Kansas City last week, I, I don't know how many major league baseball players make that play, right? Um, <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, it was nuts. Yeah, I, mean, I, I agree. I think it's one of the more underrated catches we've seen in recent Major League history because it was impossible. But I guess it's a question yeah. of how yeah. do you how do you handle this as an organization when it does feel like guys are graduating or are ready, but you're still not fully sure that you have a. I, I, it's a good problem to have, and I acknowledge that. But like, how do you handle this as far as the young players that are still coming up versus the guys that you want to keep? trotting out there every day here in the major leagues yeah yeah very carefully yeah there is no uh perfect answer to this i think in many ways things kind of take care of themselves now nobody wishes injury on anybody but long season and things happen and that's where a lot of young players that are doing a great job in the minor leagues ultimately get their opportunities and i'm not saying that a guy like cedric mullins or austin hayes who you know, I feel like they're having strong years again or yep. Santander are all of a sudden going to be Wally Pipps by Colton Kowser or, or Westberg. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. But I think what does happen is these young players get their opportunities, you know, if there's an injury, if, yeah. if, if something, um, you know, that we don't want to see unforeseen things happen. And that's when they get their chance and they get their feet wet in the big leagues. And then who knows what happens in off seasons, right, with trade. And – this too, you know, I, I thought the other day when they landed that third catcher, like it just had a feel like, oh my gosh, is there a trade in the works? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Bowers is playing a little bit more. Uh, all of a sudden they get another catcher. You start thinking, wait, are they going to make a move and try to land another pitcher? So I think that stuff is always in the works. So with this stockpile of talent that we continue to praise and say that the Orioles are the best organization in baseball right now with so much young talent, there's always that, I think, looming idea of a possible potential trade that could get the Orioles to the next step. So even the guys that we hope to see in an Orioles uniform that are in AAA or AA right now might we might see him in another uniform. No, look, I, I talked about that with Westberg last week, or he was like, "Look, I I realize I see I'm doing the same math that you guys are doing. I see all of the infield prospects that exist in this organization. We're not all going to make it there. There's not enough spots for us, and that's the reality of it. Particularly if uh, Jorge Mateo continues to perform like an MVP, because then you don't want to move away mm. from that guy. Um, Mike, that right. how encouraged have you been by the pitching these last four days? Like, as much as again, we're disappointed by the hits coming out of that Kansas city series, we were panicked about Orioles pitching for them to have for the starters to have pitched as well as they had. And we'll see Grayson tonight. And hopefully that continues for him. How encouraged have you been about kind of the stabilization of the starters over the course of the last four games? Well, it's pretty, it's, it's obviously uh, a great feeling to know that the starters have that um, ability. And I think a lot of them pitch very well at Camden Yards especially with, you know, the bigger left field. I think there's just more of a comfort factor there for these guys to uh, dig in and execute pitches a little bit more confidently. But, 
Yeah, there was the fear, I think, with all of us that, okay, the, the starters, once again, not getting deep in ball games, and the bullpen is just getting destroyed. So the timing, just like we just talked about, sometimes things end up working themselves out. I've all of a sudden given the bullpen a little bit more rest. Uh, I've got a few really good starts in a row, which I think uh, bodes well for the probably arguably one of the best, if not the best bullpens in, in baseball. So get these guys rested and let them fire on all cylinders because we all know that the challenges are <laughs> every day, right? Yep. It's no longer going to be a cakewalk. Tougher teams are, are now right in front of them. So they're going to need to be full strength and, and find ways to get hits and find ways to continue to, to pitch well. So it, it felt, felt good, I think. Gibson looked really good last night. Yeah. He looked even stronger stronger in the sixth. His fastball velocity was up, but great command of his off-speed pitches. That changeup was devastating and uh, really good breaking ball as well. So, yeah, it looks good, and let's hope Grayson Rodriguez can, can pick it up again and bounce back and, and keep these guys on a roll because, man, it really it always comes down. I know we talked about position players and some – struggles but it always comes right back to the starting pitchers or all pitching bullpen too so pitching is the name of the game and these guys have to stay consistent through the year he is mike bordick of course the baseball warehouse baltimore baseball tonight 105.7 the fan field of dreams what 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 can we get a specific plug-in for this week mike what do you have coming up wow do we have a uh, big event coming up on saturday may 13th at the Carver Center for Arts and Technology, Baltimore County Public Schools. Uh, this will be our second annual event. It's called Let's Play Ball, and it's to honor the teachers and administrators of Baltimore County, all the stuff they had to go through for the COVID. So we honored them last year with a softball uh, tournament. It was awesome. Al Bumbry was out there as the uh, teacher's coach. I was the administrator's coach. And we also had, which is really cool, Allied Sports is, the sports program for special needs yeah. kids in Baltimore County public schools and the league of dreams have collaborated with them. We put on an incredible event before the softball game. And this year we're having the same league of dreams event with allied sports. Then we're having a home run derby, Larry Bigby, Calvin Maduro, all kinds of celebrities, a couple more baseball players are coming out to participate. Dempsey, Frank Kalerick, myself, and uh, then after the home run derby, we're going to have the softball game for the teachers and administrators. Man, I encourage everybody to come up. We're going to have food trucks out there. It's free admission. You're going to see some stars and celebrities from the local area and support Baltimore County uh, Public Schools. That's it's a great time. And it's leagueofdreams.org, correct, is how people can find out more? Yep, leagueofdreams.org. Um, yep, and, and I'm sure on social media, the Let's Play Ball has uh, event has been around uh, Baltimore County Public Schools. It would be on there as well. It starts at 11. I think it goes 11 to 4 on Saturday. That's awesome, man. Great great work. Great, great. I love what you guys do. That's awesome stuff, and especially working with the Allied Sports because I have... Um I was sort of once upon a time I was involved with that and trying to help out with like allied bowling at uh, Perry Hall High School for a minute. So that's a really cool Very thing. Very cool. That's awesome. Mike Bordick, always appreciate yeah. you, my friend. Thanks for hopping on with us. Let's talk again real soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Mike Bordick with us here on GCR. And, um, you know, I, that's a strong statement, right? And like, pump the brakes, Gunnar Henderson. I still think he's going to be a potential MVP one day. I'm not panicked about Gunnar. And again, and as he brought up the comparison to Nick Marcakis, if the Orioles were bad, 
no worries at all. It's just the context of the games matters, and that's the difficult part about having this conversation, that when you're not coming up with hits, as, and again, I also agree that the on-base percentage matters. Like It matters that Gunnar Henderson's got a, it's doing a, a, a twice as well on-base percentage as his batting average. It's incredible. But this team has needed hits the last couple of nights and hasn't been able to come up with them. I'm still going to maintain. If I'm the one making the call, I am riding out until closer to Memorial Day. As long as he continues to get on base, as long as, like, if that starts dipping, if that ends up under, you know, 300, something like that, then okay. But as long as he continues to get on base, I'm riding it out until at least closer to Memorial Day before I'm making a panicked decision. thought his point about, you know, hey, instead of forcing Kowser or Westberg to the bigs, you wait for the opportunity to present itself. And that that's just the nature of the sport, is that those opportunities will present themselves, unfortunately. Someone will get hurt. I think a lot of us thought that maybe Austin Hayes was going to go on the injured list the last time. Didn't. But at some point, one of these guys will go down for a little while, and that presents your opportunity to get somebody up and let them show what they can do. And then if they... If they prove that they should stay, then you deal with the problem when you have the problem. Then you address it at that point. So, I mean, there's a deadline for that. You can't just leave somebody down in AAA forever waiting for someone to get hurt. But I think for now, I can understand the argument for it. Yeah, I mean, Ramona Rios obviously left in the ninth yesterday, so that'll be Yeah, what was the story was on that? hamstring. He, like, he got, he got the first... Yeah, he got the first, and they just yeah, there's it's just a strain, a left hamstring strain right now. And was that what he had last year? I can't really? remember. I can't yeah. remember. Um, so, but yeah, if, like if he were to go on the injured list, that could provide you the opportunity to bring up Westberg mm-hmm. right at this point. Or if if they just decided they wanted to go back to Joey Ortiz and right. say, hey, Ortiz is the guy we want to figure out first. On our priority list, it's Ortiz first, then it's Westberg. Somebody might say, well, that's a bit weird. Westberg's twenty four, like. Why would, why wouldn't he be? I don't know. Yeah, well, it was because what Ortiz was drafted first, right? Or and, and Ortiz is on the forty man as well. Okay, so, so like that it does makes make him, a difference. Yeah, that so certainly that does make it easier a to call him. No so I guess it depends on maybe the extent. Like if they think it's gonna be a long injury, you know, a long IL stint for. Yeah, they're both they're both twenty four. Of course, Arias so. is probably gonna be fine. So. Right, and then it's then <laughs> then we're back we're right is, back to the same conversation that we've yeah. been having, you know, which is what exactly do you do with all these guys that appear like they're ready, but there isn't an obvious place for them to play because but yeah, it's it's interesting because I mean we're sitting here like hoping okay well hopefully not hopefully but you know if Arias is hurt then we get to see Westberg or and, whatever and, and it's a tricky part because Arias does a lot for you exactly, like you don't want to yeah. take anything away he's from a gold that. glover he's yes a, he's yeah. a gold glove defensive player who has come up with a bunch of timely knocks during the course of his. You know, short short tenure here in Baltimore. Um, he's not a all, all-star caliber player, but he's a helpful piece. You're not trying to run out Ramon Arias. You also know he's probably not got a ton of trade value right. either. Um, but at some point, awkward decisions are going to have to be made because you can't leave all of these guys down there for forever. And it does speak to why the Orioles did not look at this season as the year because they still had to figure out who guys were at some point. So it's an it's look, it's an awkward spot. Again, these are good problems to have. You would much rather this than not have these guys. There is no doubt about that. 
All right, uh, we are winding down for a Tuesday edition um, of the program. We got one more segment to go. I do want to cover the Bob Huggins thing, and we didn't talk about the Glenn Kuyper thing from yesterday, so we can talk about both those things in the next segment. And it's interesting because not only is Chris here, but Charles is here too. So I want to get oh, I want to get there because we're gonna go we're gonna go hang out and uh, have some glory days after the show to uh, celebrate the semester. So I'll get both of them to chime in on um, on these inst- on these issues and, and and what you do about them. So it is a Tuesday edition of GCR. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The All-America Senior Game powered by New Balance will be back at Johns Hopkins Homewood Field on July 29th. The most decorated girls and boys lacrosse players in the country have been invited to play in what is the premier lacrosse event of the year. Every college coach wants their players in this game, and if you dream of being in this game, you start by trying out for one of your regional underclass teams this summer. The best against the best. Get your tickets now at allamericalacrosse.com. That first sip, that first bite, mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Back in here on GCR. Again, PressBoxOnline.com slash offers is always the place where you turn to get the best incentives for signing up for sports betting. It's the first time you can ever bet on baseball, legally, that is, on your phone in the state of Maryland. And why wouldn't you take advantage of five second-chance bets from PointsBet when you deposit and bet your first $50? Go to PressBoxOnline.com offers to claim this incentive and so much more. 
Uh, awkward couple of days for a couple of uh, figures in sports. Um, if you have not heard the Bob Huggins thing, can you pull that up? Yeah. I don't yeah. really know I if mean, we need to. I mean, uh, do we need to play it? But I, I think people, I think we're good. Yeah. I think we're good. Um, it was funny because when I saw the first tweet, I, I saw it was just like Catholic F, F dash dash S, and I was like, "Oh, oh he okay. said." I was like, let's, "I mean, that's not cool, but like, like yeah, whatever, right? Whatever. whatever. <laughs> I mean, people use the, that F word all the time, like and no I big deal, it. right? Yes." And then you hear it, and you're like, "Oh, it was the other F word." What in the world? <laughs> like in what? I. And then it was kind of hilarious to watch the internet. By the way, our, our Chris Lingard Young, who interned for Pressbox this semester, Charles Greer uh, interned for us, Prince Charles, uh, all semester. He's come back to hang out today for a minute. Um, the, the, like the hilarious part about the internet yesterday is it was very split between people who love religion but don't like gay people. Like it right. was a very difficult yeah. moment for them because those people want to be allowed to say that word because they don't like gay people but they like religion and didn't like that you were disparaging religion. It was a very difficult day for the uh, people that use the word snowflake on Twitter. It was a very tough day for them to figure out exactly how they should respond to Bob Huggins' comments yesterday on a Cincinnati radio station. Um, Bob Huggins, I, I got to be honest with you, there's absolutely nothing surprising necessarily about that. Like, it, did Did you see the other thing that came out yesterday? That's immediately what I thought first. Like, um, just like if I thought of his players, like if he's willing to do that on live public radio. Like, oh no, question. his players seeing that when it broke, like they were probably like, mm, "Well, yeah, uh, sounds like our coach." It was unearthed that in the fall of 2021, Bob Huggins invited someone to come speak to the West Virginia basketball team. Did you happen to see who it was that he invited to come speak to the West Virginia basketball team? I did not see this. Okay. I don't think. Nobody, nobody. I don't think I saw. This. Nobody Let saw me. it. Oh man. Let's see if I can find out before. No, don't, you don't, tell don't, me, before don't, you tell me. don't do that. Don't do that. Well, I won't say it. No, I, I want. You I want the reaction. I want a lot want, of room for a lot of news. God, <laughs> I want the reaction to it because Let's the uh, the person that it was. Oh man, I really want to find the video, but the problem is now that's all you. I'm trying to search for the video, yeah, but all you get is like or no, 600 reaction videos to. You know, like what he did this week. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's all you can get anymore on the internet is everybody else sharing their own. You can't just get the original video that made it all famous. What if I told you there's going to be a deep drive from Castellanos and it's going to be a four nothing ball game? No way. Tom no Brenneman. Tom Brenneman was, was invited. <laughs> was this after, after he after the thing? After the thing. Really? To Jeez. come speak to the West Virginia basketball team. About learning from your mistakes. I just wanted to find the stupid deep drive from Castellanos. Oh, okay. Hang on, maybe this is it. No, no, there's something else playing. There's our shows. No, it's other people talking about it. Yes, that's all you can get on the internet anymore is other people talking about a video. You can't just find the original video. I am sick of the internet. It stinks now. The point of all of this being, yes, it was unearthed. In the aftermath of Bob Huggins' comments, that in the fall, do you have, do you have, I, I, I believe so. out over the year that I am deeply ashamed of. This happened. Um, if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart. I'm so very, very sorry. 
I pride myself and think of myself as a a man of faith. Man of faith, of course. Big hit. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a four nothing. It's a four ball nothing game. ball game. You have to make sure you mention. I don't that. know if I'm gonna be putting on this headset again. The uh, the Phillies unfortunately were off last night. So after Bob Huggins' statement, everybody said, "I'm betting everything on Castellanos oh, yeah, hitting a home run." Right. Today. It leaves you to think. Yeah. Where did uh, Brenneman and uh, Huggins first shake hands and introduce each well, other? Well, I mean, Huggins was in Cincinnati for a long time, obviously. Yeah. Coaching. No, just you just wonder, like, how how did that? You had a clan meeting. Is that what you're suggesting? No, 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 not even. Just <laughs> no, but two I, opposite ends of the sports world. No, 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 no. That's not at all. It's very like the, that. Actually, makes a whole lot of sense. They're friends because Brenneman worked in Cincinnati for forever. His father was in Cincinnati. It makes all the sense in the world that he would have had a relationship with Bob Huggins when Bob Huggins coached at Cincinnati for for years so that's not all that surprising that there's a personal friendship between the two but it's just utterly hilarious i mean it is so when i saw that tweet going around i the first thing i said was this has to be fake you can't just share this out this has got to be like an ai created thing because it's all these like it's bob huggins like sharing out a tweet with like eight different pictures of tom brenneman from 2021 when he invited him to sp oh god now i gotta find the, the tweet i ended up did i did end up sharing it because it was quite clearly real and i just was so flummoxed by the fact that it was real i want to thank my friend tom brenneman for traveling over to morgantown and speaking to the team his message isn't one of excuses but one of accountability it takes courage to confront mistakes head on and i believe our guys learned that from his time with us yeah, because Huggins has a lot of guys on his team in the same shoes as Brennan. Oh, God. Yeah. That was from 2020. It was like literally like it was a month right, or two. It was, like, it was literally it was two months three after. months after this. It wasn't even 2021. You're right. It was yeah. November of 2020. It was like three months after because that happened during the pandemic season. Because remember, he was not at the game. He was mm -hmm. in, in, studio. in the studio calling the game. Wow. Anyway, um, right now, we're waiting word on what West Virginia is going to do about Bob Huggins. Unfortunately, as a few people have pointed out, if there's a place where you can probably get away with things, yep. Yep. West Virginia would be high on the list, Take right? Like, country all, although, again, there's the flip side, which it was he was disparaging Catholics. So, like, I just don't know. It's like, do we support this guy? No. Like, it, again, it's a very it's an interesting dichotomy for a certain group of white people. <laughs> We like that you're disparaging gay people, but we're not okay with you disparaging Catholics. Right. Like, but if you were to do it, if you were to disparage Catholics in any place in America, wouldn't West Virginia be? I don't know how Catholic West Virginia is. I don't know. I don't know enough. I about don't know them. how I don't, religious. They are. I don't. I don't they are just. Straight I, I. The only things I know about West Virginia are moonshine and you know hill people. Like that's about what I know about West. Virginia. I know that they were the most over. They were the most obese state in the country for that a while. That sounds about right. Yeah, because yeah, sounds... Jamie Oliver did like a you know okay. he was doing his there show. There we go. There he we go. He did a lot of stuff in West Virginia. I, I if I were you know the leader of a major state institution, would probably say to myself, I don't think I want that guy leading my basketball team. If I were someone with a brain leading at the University of West Virginia, I would probably say, Yep, that's enough. Like that's that's going to be the end of that. I would be surprised if he survived. I mean, that is about as bad as it can possibly get. By the way, if you listen to the audio, he said it twice. Yeah, he did. And just to make sure he got the point across. Like he doesn't there's no world where he can go back like, "Oh, I made a mistake." Like he very clearly said it twice to make sure everybody heard him say it. And at that point, you 
the point that uh, Charles made, you have to assume it's something that he uses frequently. That this was, if there was no filter when he was doing a live radio interview, there is no chance there's a filter privately. There's no chance that when he's around just the players or in his, like, there's zero chance that that's not something that he says regularly. And again, 16 years ago, people didn't understand. 16 years ago? No, 20 years ago. 20 years ago, there was a time where it just in culture was not understood the damage that that word could do. That was 20 years ago. 20 years ago. There's no one in 2023 saying, well, you know, it's just a word I've always used. Like, that's a, that's a problem, dude. You know, you can't be the coach of a basketball team, the leader of young people, if you don't understand that this is a term that we don't use anymore. So my answer would be, it would be very simple. It would be no. No. Yeah. No, no, no. I would no longer have Bob Huggins as my basketball coach. We will see how it plays out. Good thing Maryland handed them their last loss. Ah, that would how that, how interesting that would be, right? The Glenn Kuyper thing is a bit more complex to me. If you're not familiar, Glenn Kuyper, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Oakland Athletics. Uh, it sounded like they had a nice day and got some great barbecue in Kansas City and went to the Negro League Museum, which all of us that have ever been to the Negro, it, it is amazing. It will move you. Like, there are, I, I would say you have to visit the Holocaust Museum at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. I, that, that, there are very few things going, and I remember going for the first time as a child, like on a field trip, and that display with the shoes changes all of you. Like, you, everyone should go there before they're 13 because it's the, the best way to get real perspective for what it is that we're talking about. Because like, when you're a young person, it's very difficult to have context for, like when you're taught about the Holocaust, like it's very difficult to fully understand it because you're a child. Like you you know superheroes and robots and things like that. Like it's very difficult to have full context for it. The moment you visit the Holocaust Museum, you're like, okay. And everything hits you. So that's moved me a lot. I would say the Negro League Museum moved me in a way that's not the Holocaust Museum, but like it moved me in a way that very few trips to a museum have ever moved me. It also shares a building. It's funny. One of our I, the first time I ever went, I was with our buddy uh, John from Little Rock before we really knew each other. We just happened to be on the same trip to Kansas City. Um, the Jazz Museum is in the same building. They share a building in Kansas City. It is absolutely if you're going to be in Kansas City for some reason, it is the way to spend an afternoon. Like it is incredible. And everything, it sounded like a really good way to open up the broadcast that day. Until you heard what he said. And there's no ambiguity there. Like, he said what he said. There's no, no, you, that, that's what he said. He said very clearly the N-word. So what do you do? The Oakland A's have suspended him, but have kind of left it open-ended. Like, they haven't fired Glenn Kuyper. They've left the possibility that Glenn Kuyper could return at some point. Not to put the two black guys in the room on the spot about this, but I have often said that I don't think that myself as a white man, I don't think I'm the person to decide what should happen in these situations. So I'm going to do exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. Charles, I'll start with you. You Um, heard the video. Because it's the A's, it's a very tricky situation where... Their fan base could 
be outraged about it because it's just one more thing that they could pile on to like what the A's have done to that fan base mm-hmm. or so many things have already been done where they're just like just another well, thing. Well, I, I thought like, you were going to add on to that the Oakland is a predominantly black community, yeah. right? Like it's a, you know, I, I think we think of prominent black cities in America. I think Oakland is very high on the list. But it has Oakland been dysfunctional, the A's particularly been dysfunctional enough where like the community is just like they just don't, they they just don't care. I'm, I'm Almost saying, like I'm Washington. Saying, I'm saying for you, Charles Greer, put yourself in the shoes of an Oakland A's fan. Imagine, I, 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 well, I, I said it. I said it while we were on break. Like it was like a healthy mixture of late night like sitcom and like. Have you guys ever seen uh, Tim Robinson's? I think you should leave. Yes, yes, of course. Like it was just doing something. And by the way, all, wrong. All, of, all of you that love that show, no disrespect. Watch Detroiters, you a holes. It was the best show on television in the last 10 years, and none of you watched it. And then all of a sudden you were like, oh, I think you should leave is great. Detroiters was I've already had it, have it better. for the summer. Probably. Detroiters was better. And I'm furious that you Fs didn't watch that show, and it got canceled after uh, Be careful when you say Fs. I mean, yeah, we don't just, know what well, that's a great point. We don't know what you're referring to. But yeah, just being demonstrably wrong and just powering through it and just with a smile on your face just – all right, but you're still dodging Through the question all that the I'm public asking. Embarrassment. You're, you're dodging the question I'm asking. If you're an Oakland A's fan, would you be okay with Glenn Kuyper returning to the broadcast at some point? No, I wouldn't. But okay. as an o- Oakland A's fan, I would honestly, because of how the organization is ran, I would feel like it would be like. Well, there would be some part of it. Like, what, di- what, di- what difference does it make? Yeah. It? Like, I'm saying, but again, project. You're a Twins fan, right? Yeah. Like Glenn Kuyper is the Twins broadcaster. Take it away. Would you be okay with Glenn Kuyper broadcasting Twins games again in the future? No. Okay, that's what. And I draw parallels, like I said, to Washington, where like Dan Snyder did bad uh, list of bad things, and like their fan base was like, we don't want him here, and they kind of almost took the feeling of like he's going to be out eventually, like. And that's, I assume, how Oakland A's feel about this. They're upset about it, and they feel like he's going to be out eventually. Does he make the move I, to Vegas with the team? Probably not. But, I, yeah, okay. Like, I mean, you could say that's an easy way to cut. But, I, okay. I, I mean, let me go to you, Chris. Would If you were an Oakland A's fan, would you be okay with Glenn Kuyper returning to broadcast games? Uh, no. Um, I'm going to slide back to what uh, he said in a second. But the uh, reason for uh, why I say it is because, like you said earlier, as a white man, you're probably not in a position to tell uh, Correct. the black community like what, how they should feel about this. Well, the thing is, in this situation, it's usually a white man that's going to be making the decision. Correct. Like, that's normally the, the yes. Decision. It's normally the way so, these things work. If I'm an Oakland A's fan, like, as a black man, as a if I was a resident of Oakland, like I would want to hear and get my voice heard. I would want the fan base to. Uh, uh, make a stand against this and get him out of there because honestly as a Washington fan as you were talking about all the dark cloud that uh, Dan Snyder holds over our franchise right now and all the people that were associated with him going out like Washington fans wanted everyone like everyone that he brought in like get out like including him he's about to get out uh, finally but it's not something that we want to wait for we have to wait for Dan because he's an owner but uh, you don't have to wait for um this announcer, like he can get out yeah. right now. Yeah. Like, right. like you somebody, want, you want somebody control. else can broadcast yeah, exactly. the games. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, you want to get him out right now. Like, I think I took into account, like he said, um, just like 
as a fan, I would know there's there's a white person making this decision at the end of the day. And they're just sort of saying so, this, you know, right? Yeah. Like they're just sweeping it under the rug. I give, guess give them two weeks. If and if, then if a reasonable person over. said back to you, okay, but this genuinely seemed like it was a mistake, what would your response be to that? Charles, your your eye roll. Oh, sorry, not Charles. Chris, your eye roll said a lot in that. Yeah. You'll be in enough white communities as a black person <laughs> throughout time. You'll hear that a lot. Just you know, it was a genuine mistake. Like, no, you were thinking about the word. Like, you were you think you had some sort of excitement to say it. Like, I don't know why. But, like, you, maybe because you just hear other people saying it, but ultimately, don't say it, especially not on a national broadcast. Like, it's simple as that. Do not use the word. <laughs> like, don't overcomplicate this. Now that I've done this on, behind a camera, and you you could probably speak to this as mm-hmm. well. You pick every word very carefully. Yeah. So this camera's on, you pick every word very carefully. And you think about every word you I, say. I will say there are still times where mistakes are made, right? Like I this I, I'll give you an example. One but if point. it's a word that is yeah. not in your common vernacular, I, and that, that's, you're gonna think that's, about it. That's the part before that, you say it. It, it. So I'll give you an example. Drew loves to tell the story. One morning, uh years ago when Drew and I were doing mornings together was when the preakness had chased away all the young people by saying you can't bring your beer in anymore. And they were trying to win young people back. That's when they introduced the mug club concept, and they were trying to get people to come back. And one of the things they did was introduce a new mascot for the Preakness. And the mascot was this kind of fat, shirtless centaur. Like uh, okay, a, a horse. A horse, a half-man, half-horse. The man was, was you know, a drunk, the pot belly, long hair, like this type of person and they sent him around to area bars like hey young people this is the cool centaur that you want to party with come out to the preakness and i thought it was low rent i was embarrassed by it right i was like i don't really care all that much because who the hell cares if there's a mascot for the preakness but and i just remember drew and i going back and forth about it and drew talking about how it was marketing genius and i was like i don't know who you're marketing to like, what young person is going to decide to come to the Preakness because of an effing centaur? But I said it on the air on the radio, which you definitely cannot do. Now, again, the point being made is that's a word that I do use in other circumstances. I wish I used it less. I admit that I've had a problem with that over the years. And I feel like maybe radio has, like, when I'm not on the radio, I'm trying to get all of them out of me so I don't say it on the radio. But it is a word that I do use effing centaur right like i would that's something that i would say if chris and i just got into a a debate at glory days later about like why do they need an effing you know third catcher right like it's something i would say so it came out in that moment now i very much did not mean to say it and immediately started screaming at drew to dump like dump it dump that because he had the, the dump button in front of him, and he was messing with me like he wasn't going to dump it to try to get me fired. <laughs> but the joke was on him. He would have gotten fired because he had the dump button in front of him. So, ha, 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 card. But I was panicked. I was screaming. I'm like, dump it! Dump it! <laughs> but you're speaking to degrees of it, because like, if Huggins used that F word that you used, he wouldn't even be in the news right now. If you just said, I mean, it would be in the news. Like yeah, there would be Catholic would like, people would be, you know, like, but it wouldn't be this. Like but no, it, it would be, be in the news for Bob Huggins being Bob Huggins. And yes, in, the, in a positive way. There would be a few people in the Catholic community that would be calling for him to be fired, and then most people would be like, "Dude, who cares?" But, like, I think, but people, I mean, the general public would be would look at it as like, 
do you, do the Catholics really get a say? I mean, there was once upon a time there were Catholics versus convicts T-shirts, and everybody was loving to eat that up. So, kind of goes tit for tat, and there's degrees to the words, and yeah, there's different consequences to different words. But yep. going yep. back to what we were saying, um, if it's not in your common vernacular, you're definitely gonna think about it. If it is, you know, it can just you can just flow through it, power through it. Almost I, as if he did. I, I I probably am inclined to agree with you. I am probably inclined to say, now again, I, I don't think it should be me or a white person that makes the decision. And I think that's the important part. Like, the decision should be made by the community, by and, and not, not by finding one particular black person to hide behind either, to say, look, we've got a black guy who's willing to stand up for Glenn Kite. Like, that's the other disturbing part is when you use one particular person the, of a minority the token black fan. As, as, your, as your shield, right? Like... I think a lot of people would argue that the president of the Washington Commanders has been used in that way a few times over the last couple of years. Um, try to find somebody that will be your shield because you pay them well to be your shield, right? Like, And I'm not mad at those people. I like getting paid, too. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of things that I'd probably be willing to do. For a, uh, Charles and I just had a conversation about where I said, I don't think I could ever be Skip Bayless unless you paid me a lot of money, in which case maybe I could be Skip Bayless. Maybe that could be the case. Uh, we will see if we uh, get definitive word on uh, Bob Huggins over the course of the next couple of days. I'm sure there are people in West Virginia. He is a very powerful figure in that state, so I'm sure that he has powerful friends that are trying to do the let's just ride it out bit. Let's just let's just see if we can make this go away in a few days, and then we'll issue a suspension or something like that. Uh, there's got to be somebody. You're almost like a Mickey Mouse company. If there's not somebody within that structure that can say no, no, this is it. It's over. Sorry. And it is a public school. That's the other important part about this. At like a cert- you know, Once upon a time, Texas Tech was willing to hire Bobby Knight even after Bobby Knight had choked and thrown chairs at. And That's the other know, thing. If they do can him. How long until he gets another job at? You oh, know, I was gonna say before a small we end program, the and he's, yeah. he's gonna probably end up in the SEC. I mean, I, the SEC is tough because those are mo- those are public schools, right? Like, I think it's difficult. They have a trend of that's true. Old Ole Miss just hired Chris Beard after right, he was yeah. fired for an, a domestic. God, yeah. you're probably right. You're probably right. Oh, it's terrible. How many times is Bruce Pearl just stick it out? Yep. But Bruce stick Pearl has yeah. like Bruce Pearl's crimes are like inviting kids to a barbecue. That's a far different. <laughs> Like, yeah, I can't compare fair. Bruce Pearl in fair. any way. Like, yeah. his. I, when people bring up Bruce Pearl's got a rap sheet, I'm like, but what is his rap sheet? Like, trying to have. I, do you guys don't watch Bel Air by chance, do you? Have you? It's the the, the, the remake the, of yeah. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air that's been airing on Peacock? Mm, no, I'm, be, I'm boycotting they, it. I can't, I can't, really? You're boycotting <laughs> it? Why no, are you boycotting no, oh, okay. no, just, just They in this. Fan so, I don't know why. Wait a second. Is there, just, wait, just wait, boycotting wait. Bel Air, right? You know what? Okay, that's right. He said that, and I will definitely agree. There's certain, like, Shows that are like made for black people that I boycott definitely. Yeah, yeah. That show Blackish I'd that like, was like I never watched the Blackish. I I did watch that. that. I uh oh. What does it say about us school. that we're the ones that watch Bel Air and Blackish? <laughs> I didn't watch Bel Air. What's, that? Watch exactly. What's <laughs> the statement about this? <laughs> That's interesting. It's interesting. So you're not cool with Bel Air because you feel like it's like forced. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. And you feel the same with Blackish? No. Yeah, yeah. There was another one about uh I can't remember the name though, college students and they were like in a fraternity and sorority and it was a it was a remake of some sorts. I just can't remember what the name was. Huh. 
Huh. Um, it was on Netflix. Like, I didn't want it. During the pandemic it. and such. So I was, of course, like every young person, obsessed with Fresh Prince of Bel-Air growing up, right? Like it's one of the greatest television shows of generation. So I had no interest in this, but I had a bunch of people tell me it was actually a really good show, so I decided to watch it a little bit. It's fine, but it's intriguing enough that you want to keep watching it. And that was my, like, it on its own as a show, it was intriguing enough for me to keep watching. And this in this season, they delve into the, like, intricacies of athletes and breaking the rules and getting paid but like what should the rules be and is it really right or wrong and who's really the bad guy in the process and i thought they actually handled it really well in this season other things i don't think they've handled nearly as well but that one i think they actually handled really well about looking at an aau coach and what the aau coach was doing siphoning off a little bit for him but like taking care of the players at the same time does that make him evil that he is siphoning off some for himself it's it's a delicate topic, but I thought they actually dove into it pretty well. In the it's definitely season. a topic that needs to be dived into more because I was playing AAU basketball during the scene when uh, like DC Assault had had fallen off and they were like getting like came after by the FBI and everything and it kind of like put us kind of put on notice a lot of teams and programs in this area specifically like you got to kind of cut out what you're doing because there was a lot of a lot of pain, a lot of moving, things like that. And I was young then, but, you know, like I've had conversations with my dad and he's like told me stories and yeah, like. Dude, it's not, there's no easy answer to any of this. It's not a, you know, I, I don't, this is probably a bad pun. It's not a black and white issue, right? Like there is, there are many layers to, and that's genuinely what I appreciate about the way the Bel Air handled it, where it's like, you think this guy is a villain, but we're telling you like, he's kicking some money over to me and my family, and I don't know that if I was around somebody else, that person would do that for me. So I don't know that I can be mad at him getting his or trying to point me in the direction of a certain school because otherwise, what would I have? Like, it's a complicated effing topic, man. It is really, really difficult. And to your point, the governance of that level is shady or questionable at best. So... I don't know, man. I can't believe I'm putting over the show Bel Air on Peacock, but I am kind of putting over at least one very specific thing about the show Bel Air on Peacock. There are other things. Carlton having a cocaine problem. Bro, come on. That's Not. why. That's Give why. Not. That is why. Not. That's why I can't watch it. Not so great. So opposite Not of what's so great. Yeah. What that's. came of the original. I understand that, and that was the point, was that Carlton's character was very different. Just the specific of it. Like, at first, I was fascinated by it, where he was just like really preppy and was like a lacrosse star and all that stuff. I was like, okay, this is an interesting way to go with Carlton's character. But to go right from that to cocaine addict was a bit a bit much. Yeah, just a defeating bit the much. purpose. You a just have bit, to ask, what uh, made Fresh Prince great? Characters like but Carlton. I don't, but I, I understand Carlton. that they're trying to do something entirely different. And again, it has been different. and is, Uncle Phil is very different in Bel-Air than the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It's not the same show, but it's been intriguing in some ways. Just a few things that I think have not... Jeffrey is very different in this show than he was. Jeffrey is, like, very... Eh, I don't know. Maybe it's not as different. It's Jeffrey was such a cart, cartoonish is the wrong way. He was so responsible for so much of the comedy in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Dude, he is cerebral in... He is, like, a CIA agent in this show it is totally different 
I would tell you it's at least worth looking at. Like, look at it, see, bail when you're ready to bail. I would at least say it's worth looking at as far as the show is concerned. But I'm not going to speak to black experience. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bail when Jeffrey finds Carlton's cocaine. Yeah, it is. That's when I'm gonna bail. It man. is. It is a bit much. All right. I uh, appreciate you guys having that conversation. Well done, boys. Let's get a tidbit as we wind down. A tidbit is brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. It's got the illustration of Jackson Holiday on the cover. Didn't you do something for this print issue of Press Box, Chris? I did. I did. Uh, wrote about the uh, NG, NJCAA uh, Junior Lacrosse cam- Championships. That are this Be- weekend? Yes. Up in Bel Air? Yes. At Hartford Community College? That's correct. Was this yep. your first ever like print? The uh, first yes, time actually. you've ever been featured in a print magazine? Look at that. It is. Very you know, cool. So you can pick that up for free right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. Uh, in concert with Jackson Holiday in this pipeline section on the cover, we are doing a great contest right now at PressBoxOnline.com slash contest where you can win four tickets to all of the area minor league baseball teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms. Got to be 18 or older in order to sign up. Get to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now. Trevor Bauer had a uh, final. He made a second start. Why, why the, would we? Why would we talk about? Because he got shelled. Well, we are having a hell of a. Because he got absolutely shelled. Show. Let's he got talk about Bob. Okay, all right. Well, I can celebrate that. He got right. rocked. I'll, I'll rack the right. Rolodex for Trevor all right. Bauer. I can. I can get behind <laughs> seeing Trevor Bauer get shelled. He got rocked in his second uh, NPB start with. Uh, over Didn't in he Japan. also get into a fight with a teammate because they thought his like celebration was actually. Like somewhat racist. Really, I did not even see that. I think I mean, he was doing like some sort of sword thing as a celebration, and his one of his Japanese uh, like teammates was uh, was like, "Well, because uh, he had hey, been doing that." Hey yo, like kind of a little inappropriate. Over you understand here. the culture over here? Like maybe maybe it might come off to people like you're mocking us. Well, he gave up seven runs in six innings, eleven hits, three home runs, hundred pitches, uh, three pitches. The only the he on- didn't walk anyone. Oh, okay, he's got that going for him. The he, only shame is he didn't give up fifty runs. Yeah. that would have been. Um, or just not had a, a job pitching, dude. There was a thing going around yesterday about Greg Hardy. Like he did a joke on Instagram, like he was working at Walmart, and that became a thing. It was not real, but like the internet was celebrating the possibility of it. And then there are people like, "Oh, what? So people don't deserve second chances?" I'm like, "No, that's exactly the second chance that you deserve. Like you deserve yeah. a second chance to be a a functional part of society. But that doesn't have to come making In lots of money as a professional athlete." You, that's not just something that everyone should just be deserve no matter what they do. So if Trevor Bauer wanted to work at Walmart, by all means, go work at Walmart. But I'd prefer he doesn't even have a chance to pitch in Japan. Like for all the, for what's worth for what it's worth. I, you can tell me all you want about like you know, hey, what the the court said this. I saw that photo. I don't care what someone consented to. I don't care if someone said yes, we can have rough sex. Uh, that's evil. That is. You can't. You you don't have a place in society if that's what your rough sex looks like. Sorry. I guess I don't know. While we're talking about it, since the Matt Ariza stuff also came up yesterday right. as right. well, and that apparently he wasn't even in it at the house or whatever, and I don't know. So really? Yeah, no, yes. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I did. I did stuff not see that. Out. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um. Whew, that is. He definitely uh, got shown the door too. So. This would be interesting to see. If yeah, I know. It's still kind of like developing how stuff is playing out, but that it looks like. They're, I, I guess mean, they're in the point of the court proceedings where legal documents are becoming public and all that. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Boy, that, I mean, this is that is. I mean, it's it's awful, right? Like it's awful. And a lot of people have talked about. Like it's it's a very difficult thing because we as a society we want to believe women we want to support and do all the right things and I'm still you know like the Ravens of course as it turns out we're in the market for a punter and if they had any questions I'm still glad that they didn't draft the guy that they had questions about and we'll see what Jordan Stout ends up being but man I mean like my God it would seem like he has got a pretty I just the I don't know who he sues like I don't know who he how do you get back all of that? Because I don't think this woman's going to have the money to make up for what it is that he lost to start his. That is, yeah, that is uh, unbelievable. One thing we didn't talk about to change the subject, I guess. Oh, kind Jesus. of. Uh, this has been a heavy. I know. Damn, what yeah. a heavy, what a fun way to end the semester with <laughs> did this. Did you heavy. see? <laughs> did you see the Orioles uh, connect city connectors? Yeah, everybody leaks. hates them. Yeah, everybody they're, hates they're them. They don't. They just great. don't look interesting. They look very meh. Like I don't think just, they're worth. Uh, John brought it up to me. Earlier. These are all the new jerseys that they're the, they wear them for like right? a day. Okay. Like yeah. they wear the city yeah. connect jerseys. Yeah, I've been seeing some funky jerseys on the diamond. Like it's it's not it's disappointing because you want it to be cool and it's just not it's just kind of meh but like i mean assuming it's real right I yeah guess. that's part of it is we don't know for sure that it's real and then the second part of it would be why do we care it's like gotham yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of <laughs> i don't know man like i or i thought like, the i thought the story of buck showalter wanting to put a b on the hat is far more compelling than this we didn't talk about it last week a story came out that Buck Showalter, while he was the manager, wanted the the Oreo? road uniforms to have a oh, bee just a, like a ball, like a Baltimore, Baltimore bee. yeah, oh, on them, okay, like on the hat. And I think I hate that, like the Baltimore uh, well, you, Eli Giants. And... For years, yes. we didn't have. I had a hat too close like to Valley Sports for me. Okay, <laughs> <Yeah>. okay, that's <laughs> interesting. They do have a big curse of bee. That's well, a good point. Um, for years, of course, they wouldn't put Baltimore on the road jerseys because. They wanted the. They thought that would negatively impact the Washington market. Before the, the Washington had a team, they wanted it to be Orioles because they didn't want to chase away anybody like you know your family growing up in Fredericksburg yeah. that didn't have a baseball team. So they never wanted anything to say Baltimore. Once the Nationals arrived, all of a sudden the Orioles like we'll put Baltimore on the road jerseys again, and it was a huge. You guys will never understand. It was a huge controversy. I mean, it led to fights. Like, some of the first problems that my old radio station had with the Orioles because we pushed so hard about putting Baltimore back on the road jerseys. And, like, when they finally decided to do it, it was a pretty emotional moment for a lot of people. Like, they had desperately wanted to see Baltimore on the road jerseys again. But that was interesting that that came up, that Buck, because he is such a micro-man. This is the thing about Buck. He's great. He's wonderful. But Buck, literally in Arizona, would, like, go measure the benches and say, I want the benches to be three inches longer. People were like, What? the hell does that have to do with managing a baseball team? That was who he was. And apparently he wanted to be on the hats. Like, uh, well, so like the Eli, uh, the Elite Giants one like that? The Eli like Giants. That? No, I think it was more cursive that he wanted uh, than that. Yeah, I guess that. I do like the, the idea of the trying to like honor the Eli Giants, but yeah. I don't know, man. Um, all right. So, uh, Hunter Brown pitched yesterday, the uh, rookie pitcher for the Astros. He uh, threw his first 55 career innings pitch. He hadn't allowed a home run, and the only other pitchers since 1969 to start their careers with a longer home runless streak were Andy Hassler and Dave Pagan, both relievers who both went. Uh, uh, John brings up, apparently, there was a, a years ago, there was a more of like a block B for the on, Orioles. On the Orioles. Oh, really? I'm finding it now. Okay. Like, I had never. 
I probably have seen it before, but I had never really spent any time thinking about it. But this is what it, it looked. It, it looked a little bit more like that, just in orange and black. That's just, what. The, oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it looked like once upon a time. I guess the other problem is that it kind of looks like San Francisco's Boston. Oh, it does kind of look like. Uh, does it look like Boston? Not. I guess that one not yeah. specifically. Boston's got the curves on yeah. the top. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But the San Francisco comparison is relevant, right? Like just because it's orange and black, and I don't know. I I wouldn't hate that. I just I don't know that you need to change it either. Like I think it's fine. So this somebody th- told me recently they're over the cartoon bird. What? I don't remember who oh, it was on. that brought that up. Was like, and I hadn't thought about it for a little while. I'm like, you know what? I could see us cycling that back out for a couple years. Like that if we just like five years without the cartoon bird, then brought back the cartoon bird after that. I could see that and just sort of going with the more. Why not when the team gets good? That's the best time to like bring out throwback jerseys. Not when a team's bad. Mm, fair, yeah. fair. But they normally do it when the team's bad because they need something in yeah, order to generate interest. That's typically the way that it works. I just, that's what I makes just, because I <laughs> like the Tennessee Titans are doing the stupid Warren Moon thing because they're like, well, we we're gonna stink this year. Right. Like, I mean, good. I correlate the the uh, the cartoon bird with 2012. As soon as they got good, as soon okay. as they brought back, All right. remember the they didn't expect bird. to be good in 20. Exactly. Right, right, but you know the bird did. So okay, that's right. why I, that's why I like that. I right. always we, like. We the... were supposed to be at Glory Days 15 <laughs> minutes ago. Let's go. Um, <laughs> so anyway, as soon as uh, Chandler Rome, the, one of the Astros uh, beat writers, he pointed this out that Hunter Brown is, was on the streak, third longest streak ever, or at least since 1969, without letting up a home run. He went about an inning and a third before he let up his first career home run uh, against the Angels last night to uh, Hunter Renfro, who went deep in the second inning. So he went 56 and a third, pretty good. Without Not bad. Allowing, Not yeah. bad. Uh, to, but to do this, to do Stan's bit, of course, Hunter Brown is on my fantasy team. Ah, so yeah, there you go. And Hunter Renfro is on the team I'm playing against this week. And we mm. hit the home run against. I'm so sorry. Just really hurts. So it really hurts. Are you going to be okay? Do you want to? Do know. we need a hug? If I if I win, do we this need week, to line up. The Rays uh, hit their league leading 73rd home run, yeah, 72nd and 73rd home run yesterday against the Orioles. Um, that's more than both than all three of Cleveland, Washington, and Cincinnati combined. As Cincinnati remarkable. has only hit 27, the Nationals Jesus. have only hit 22, and Cleveland has only hit 18 home runs. Yikes. Yikes. And uh, so the Rays have been pretty good. Uh, the LeBron, Nationals have the number two pick in the draft this year? Yes, they do. Boy, it's nice to not have to think about the draft for a change. Have you guys spoke nice on the section that the Rays are doing on the show yet? What? With the home run. I can't remember the player's name, but hits a, hits a home run, everybody in the section gets free beer. Wait, is that the, a real thing? The, the like in Tampa that they're doing yeah, in Tampa. Oh, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I I like the idea. Um, uh, it's one of their it's one of their Dominican or Puerto Rican or Venezuelan players. It's not a Rosarina, Rosarina. is it? Rosarina, is yeah. Rosarina Cuban? Uh, yeah, 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 I think so. Where's Yanni Diaz? Maybe. Mm, no. Maybe. Hang on a second. I'm trying Wander to pull Franco, it up. Maybe. I'm trying to pull it up right now. It's not, uh, it's not a wonder front. It is a Rose Arena. Okay. Randyland is Randyland. the Randyland. So when he hits a home run to Randyland? Yep. Free Everyone's beer, soda, or water. It <laughs> might only be for certain. It might not be like at every game. Uh, Randy Rose Arena has a fan base all to himself. Tampa Bay Rays fans who sat in section 141 in left field behind a Rose Arena got a free beer, soda, or water on Friday at Tropicana Field. A Rose Arena ultimately homered in the first inning on Friday after previously saying he wanted to hit a home run so the fans in Randyland could drink happily. Yeah, he got home run first at bat. Of them. There you go. That's there you go. Randyland. 
Uh, LeBron, so he had uh, his 146th career playoff game of 25-5-5. By the way, that's a good bit. More teams should do something like that. That's a good bit to try to get. But I kind of notice in baseball this season a lot of teams are trying to do bits like that. I like it. I like it. Although it's like home run props for I think almost like Mm -hmm. 22 or something of the 30 teams. But that doesn't doesn't necessarily get a fan to the game. I'm saying this is something to do to get a fan to the game. Like I I now have a little – it's like betting, right? Like I've got a little bit more investment. I buy a ticket in this section. I might get a free beer out of it. Now you got a reason to be really invested every time he comes to the plate. I like that. I, I think that's a good it's buy. It's kind of like the the basketball missed two free Yeah, throws, get a free uh, taco yeah. or whatever. Yes, yeah. 100 free Chick-fil-A. No gets, no gets. Yep, 100%. I mean, the beer's more valuable than the ticket at this point. I mean, <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to imagine in Tampa it's not all that hard much to buy a ticket to get into a game. So LeBron has double the amount of the person who is in second. Of what? The, I've of already most game, Most playoff games of 25 Five and five, so All twenty-five right. points, five assists, five rebounds. We're right back to yeah. He has took us one day to get right back to NBA. I thought this was pretty crazy. One day took us one day, and we were right back to NBA tidbits. One hundred forty-six games for LeBron. That is double. The person in second has seventy-three games. Uh, I want to see if you guys can. Uh, let's see if we can round out the top eight here for guys. Uh, five rebounds, five assists. Five rebounds, five assists, twenty-five points. West playoff games, right? Yes, playoff games. Westbrook. Playoff games. Westbrook is on this list. He has forty-five. Jordan. Jordan is second with 73, Ooh, so second. LeBron has doubled. sit a little bit. Will LeBron double it? Uh, Wiltz is not in the top eight here. Assists. Harden. Harden. Yeah. Uh, James Harden just outside the top ah. eight. Uh, Tim Duncan. 37 for James Harden. Not Tim Duncan. I thought he passed it a little. He did, but he doesn't always. He never yeah. didn't always score that many. Like Tim Duncan would very quietly have like just 20-20 every night. You know, <laughs> like something like that. Not 20-20, but 20. Burden magic. Uh yes, and Magic is just outside. Bird is third, so it goes LeBron, Jordan, Bird. Bird at fifty three. Durant. Durant is sixth on this list with forty eight. How many are we supposed Elijah to do? One. Uh, I'm looking for eight, so I have not Hakeem Olajuwon. Anyone say Harden yet? I did. Okay. Three more. Yeah, not James. I Harden. mean, it seems unlikely, but five assists isn't that much. Kobe. Kobe was on this list. Right. 52. One behind. He finished one behind Larry Bird with time 52. It involves assists. It gets very difficult to consider Kobe Bryant. <laughs> um, Curry, I guess. Steph Curry's at 51. So with his next game of 25, 5, and 5, he'll uh, tie Kobe. Looking for Dirk? one more. Not Dirk. Steve Nash. Not Steve Nash. That's a good guess. 25. He didn't really score 25. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Did Dwayne Wade play enough playoff games? Dwayne Wade is just outside the top eight here. Scotty Pippen. Not Scotty Pippen. Kevin Garnett. Not Kevin Garnett. <sighs> Damian Lillard. Not Damian Lillard. Kawhi. Less modern, not modern anymore. Oh, not, not modern. modern. Yeah. Not modern. Okay. Uh, Jason Kidd. Not Jason Kidd. Isaiah Dude, Thomas. Again, 25 points. It's tough. Uh, not Isaiah Thomas. Clyde Drexler. Not Clyde oh, Drexler. Damn. Is it more modern or less modern? Like less. Older less than Clyde Steve Drexler. Nash. Oh, older uh, than Clyde. Oh, how, wait, how, what year did Clyde Drexler play? Like, he played in the like 90s. 80, yeah, 80, yeah 80, older, 80. older than Clyde older Drexler. Older than Clyde Drexler. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the answer. I was going to say, is it our fellow on the Nuggets who finds a way? Oh, Alex English is always the answer to everything. Not bad. Not bad. But yeah, right so back. LeBron doubles Jordan, who is second on this list, with 146. Tidbit was also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. 
Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally Tubular Wise brought to you by A.J. Michaels. Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels. Heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. All right. Uh, tubular tonight. Orioles Rays, 630 on Masson. Zach Eflin and Grayson Rodriguez, the pitching matchup. Maryland Baseball takes on Northeastern tonight at 630. Maryland Baseball is red hot. They did lose a game this weekend, which was very unlike them, but they have been red hot. They haven't lost what a series they in a very now? long time. They, I, they moved up to 23 last week. I don't right. see what they did this week. Big Ten Network Plus for that. TNT tonight, a couple of pivotal game five. Sixers Celtics, 730. Suns Nuggets because they just want to – they want to make this knife through my heart even more painful. They can't just get it over with already. Suns They're Nuggets win. Game 5 I think at 10. You're, you're, you're if Devin Booker and Kevin Durant both play like this every night, then maybe they can. But they literally have to play exactly this well every night. Maryland's and, of course, Landry Shamet or somebody has got to show up. Shaman always shows up. Sure. Maryland's 19, by the way. All right. ESPN tonight, Hurricanes-Devils game four at 7. Stars cracking game four at 9.30. Mass and 2 and ESPN Plus for Nationals-Giants at 9.45. MLB Network, Astros-Angels at 9.00. You don't care. Champions League semifinal, Real Madrid, Man City. Leg one, this is, we're, we're down to it in the Champions League. That's 3 o'clock on CBS. The PLL College Draft tonight at 7 on ESPNU. And the USA Network for WWE NXT tonight at 8. Anything non-sports-wise? Bad Bunny had a big win. What? Did he win? That was on Saturday, yes. Yeah, he I know won. he won. Okay, good. Uh, not really. Judge Steve Harvey, season two, premieres tonight on yeah, ABC. Yeah, is that it? Is that um, what we have? Because Lopez versus Lopez, season one finale. So nothing is what you're trying to say. Wait, that show's still on strike. Yeah, yeah they're still on strike. Yeah. Nothing the, yeah, is no, what you're no, okay. There's nothing. Very good. Nothing. Uh, Chris, where can people find you on social? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Chris Lingard. That's uh, L-I-N-G-A-R-D. Lingard. Uh, yeah, then right now. All right. Hey, thank you for all of your hard work, man. Thank you for all the number of times that you had to listen to my stupid voice <laughs> over the course of the semester as no you uh, worked on writing up these interviews. No really problem. appreciate it, man. Good job. No problem. And of course, you, you can much. see a lot of Chris's work by going to pressboxonline.com. Okay. Uh, you can find it there. Of course, uh, charles.ap28 on uh, mm -hmm. Instagram for Charles. I already told you I appreciated you, so I don't have to say it again. I don't. You stink. <laughs> no, it's not true at all. Uh, thanks today to... Did we do all the sponsors? Did I get all them, first of all? Um, I, th I think I got all them. I think we did. I think we're good. Yeah. All right. There's thanks today to Mike Bordick. Thanks to Javier Castellano. Thanks to Patrick Stevens. And thanks to Jeremy Fowler from ESPN. We'll get it all up in the Greatest Hits section of the... Oh, my God. It's so good. ...tab at glennclarkradio.com. Anything tomorrow? Brett Maycar? Brett Maycar. Maryland lacrosse. They're getting uh, ready for uh, should make the a trip, NCAA tournament. Make a trip to Aberdeen tomorrow. Trace Bright okay. should join us. Right. And uh, Brett, or, uh, Brett, uh, Drew Forrester will be here Oh boy. So tomorrow. In other words... The return. Kind of a down day tomorrow is what you're saying. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Thanks, everybody, at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, All-American Lacrosse, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Tuesday evening. Go Birds. Go Maryland Baseball. Duke sucks.